0: Tip today in association with Slatteries of Pecon, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. SlatteriesGarage.ie
1: Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you anything to make a call. Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, a confidential internal Garda report has been found which seems to vindicate the stance of the GRA. We'll be speaking about that in just a few moments' time. The Taoiseach admits uh, the government made wrong calls handling COVID during the winter of 2020. How can you lose an F-35 stealth fighter jet. We were speaking to Bernie Goldbach about that, a GP, Dr. Pat Harold, on sepsis. The guardie will keep us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. And we will finish the programme today with gardening. So if you have a gardening query for Alton Nesbitt, will you... Uh, Log in with us as soon as you can, please, 83 311 double one. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com and we're always glad to hear from you. A quick look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today, The Irish Examiner and their lead story. Children face having to travel abroad for spinal surgery amid fears that long waiting lists for operations will grow in the wake of the latest scandal to hit the health service also on the front of the examiner today um, I was reading that uh, the family of a woman who died of suspected botulism uh, poisoning after eating sardines in Bordeaux in France before Ireland's first uh, rugby world cup game has filed a complaint for alleged involuntary manslaughter and the woman's Irish husband also fell severely ill he filed the involuntary manslaughter complaint uh, with her family against uh, Chin Chin uh, wine bar, and that's according to the French newspaper Le Figaro. Um, To the Irish Independent and their lead story, all public bodies are to be told that they will have to continue to accept cash when uh, consumers are paying for services. And the finance minister, Michael McGrath, has written to ministers asking them to ensure public bodies, under their remit, uh, continue to accept cash. Now, I know a lot of our listeners will be very... Happy to hear that. The Irish Times, and again, they're leading with that story about um, the review of the children's orthopaedic services uh, being widened. Also on the Times today, the Irish consumers can expect to see cheaper energy bills in the coming months if the current wholesale price trends continue, ESB's uh, chief financial officer has said. So some good news there. And uh, also... On The Times today, the United Nations is losing credibility, President Michael D. Higgins has said in comments that have drawn a defence of the organisation from the Tornist and Minister for Foreign Affairs, Micheál Martin. The President used his opening address at the National Ploughing Championships in Rathniska yesterday to take aim at the UN as political leaders, including the Taoiseach, Um, gathered at its headquarters in uh, New York to discuss issues including Russia's invasion of Ukraine, climate change and more. And uh, speaking of the President's um, opening remarks uh, yesterday, um, making headlines on the Irish Daily Mail today as well because uh, he told us that we must change our diet. Uh, He warned that there's no doubt whatsoever that people will have to change their diet to help deal with climate change and uh, as well as these uh, comments about the UN that has generated mm-hmm. some controversy as well so if you want to make comment on any of uh, the above we'd love to hear from you and once again text and WhatsApp double three double one. now there was a report um, it commissioned four years ago and it resulted in the notion that the roster that the Garda Commissioner plans to reintroduce in November does not provide sufficient resources to police the country and is not fit for purpose. Now, GRA representative for Tipperary, Richard Kennedy, joins me now. Richard, good morning to you. Morning, sir. Uh, At first glance, uh, Richie, um, it appears to vindicate the position of the GRA.
2: As,
3: as we've been banging the drum, friend, for the last number of months on this roster issue and the, the RT report, it was part of the uh, uh, the roster reform uh, project report, is what it was called, it was commissioned by the commissioner there in June 2019. Yes, and it states that the the six and what the six and four roster, which he wishes us to return to in November, isn't fit for purpose. We've been saying that continuously. Over the last few months, and this kind of, I suppose, it indicates our position that we've taken in relation to the roster.
1: Yeah, it says it does not provide sufficient uh, resources. And it's important to keep in mind as well that at the time um, the report was commissioned, I mean, there were more guardi, quite hundreds more Gardee than there are now, Richie.
3: Yeah, there's uh, roughly 500 more sworn members of the Gardee, and since then we've had promotion competitions, people who've been into. into like this, uh, uh, sexual assault units and various other special units insurrection. So what we have in the front line is probably even less than uh, even the first probably even a bigger disparity between the two figures for what we actually have on the front line at this moment in time.
1: Were your members aware of this report?
3: Well, we we knew the report was commissioned. We didn't have we didn't get full full uh, full view of it, but we, we were kinda of, we had an idea of the contents of it so that's that's it, it was it was the reason the the roster negotiations commenced. Originally, was because of this report the commissioner wanted to to uh, negotiate a new roster, which we which we took part in the negotiations there over a number of years. And um, and then we, of course, COVID came then and that's kind of put everything in kind of sideways a bit. And uh, now he wants to return to the roster that his own his own report says isn't fit for purpose, which doesn't make sense to me. Maybe it makes sense to the commissioner, but like. In fact, what people don't realise, we the four and four roster, when as part of the roster negotiations, there was a facilitator who who, who chaired the negotiations. Uh, Sean McHugh was his name. He mm. he uh, he came up with a recommendation for all the parties, which contained the four and four roster for regular police units, and the commissioner offered that to the members of the ground. He 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 wanted that four and four roster for the members on the frontline policing, and he wanted a separate roster for deep branch units. Separate roster for d insurance resulted in was one resulted in, in in a massive pay cut to members and specialized units and in D-branch insurance, and we couldn't ballot our members on any roster bed that, that resulted in a, in a significant pay cut to members. So he was happy when this report came out last year from the the, the rosters negotiations to have us going four and four, but because we wouldn't agree to the to the, the the pay cut roster for D-branch members, he's bringing it all back to the six and four. Which his own report doesn't recommend. So it, it, there's there's a kind of a he, he he's going, hopping from one to the other. Saying then last November that he couldn't go back to six and four because he hadn't manpower. Now suddenly six months later, eight months later, when he's less manpower, he can't go back, back to six and four.
1: Right, but I'm sure so you're aware from from Gardner, a really mixed message. We're, we're hearing from Garda headquarters that the roster that they're trying to implement is the only agreed. Roster and is being implemented after years of failed negotiations. Now that's the most recent commentary from Garda HQ, Richie.
3: Yeah, that was a roster that was brought in in 2012. Was when we commenced that roster. Um, it, it piloted for I last I, I, in excess of seven years. It was considered a pilot roster. Um, they said it's the only agreed roster, but the fact that the four and four, we we're happy to stay working it. The commissioner last November was happy for us to stay working with. and and we we've at all times said we want to negotiate, and 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 it's significant.
1: We're, we're just okay. We're 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 just losing your 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 phone reception there, Richie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Emma's going to try and get that back for Richie. We just lost you towards the end of what you were saying there. Okay, is Richie back with us? I think it was. Oh, yeah, back there, you, oh, you're we, back. We, lost, we lost contact. Um, we did yeah, you, it, it, you were just about to say, Richie, yeah? Uh, yeah, it,
3: yeah it, that roster, it was agreed in 2012, with, uh, part of long negotiations between both parties. And then we moved into 4 and 4, which at the time when we negotiated the original roster, 12 hour shifts wasn't an option at the time. And now the members worked to they liked it. The, the Commissioner last November liked it because he was willing to leave us on it. And I think the, the, the move to bring us back to six and four has been used as a kind of a, a blunt negotiation tool to, to try and force the hand of the members on the regular to, to maybe split, split from the members and, and, and the specialised units to train and force in a, a roster that we could accept for our members.
1: So where to now then? Um, you, you, GRA, I think, along with the Association of uh, Guard, Sergeants and Inspectors, meet, meeting the Minister. Is that today or tomorrow? That's today. Frank. Today, okay. Yeah. So, so I mean, you, you heard what the Tanister said to me last week. He didn't feel it appropriate that the minister or the department would interfere in these negotiations. But here you're meeting the the, the minister. What are, you, what are you hoping for from that?
3: Well, I, I said the minister said yesterday. I think when she, when she spoke at the town championship, said she wanted both sides to to negotiate a, a solution to this, and, and look, that's what we want. We want to negotiate a solution. And if the Commissioner is willing, we go back to the negotiating table in the morning to, to negotiate at the roster. We have no problem at all negotiating on this, on this issue. We've always said we've been open to negotiations and, and find a solution to the to the impacts in relation to the rosters.
1: Right. Your hand is strengthened, though, by the uh, by the report. And, uh, and, and again, just some more information from that report, just for listeners out there. Uh, the report identified ineffective supervision and management of overlapping shifts... Uh, which occurs at inopportune times. And it also pointed out the inflexibility of the roster with starting and finishing times inhibiting any adjustment to meet the demand of region or function. That is very damning, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it, 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 the roster itself is an extremely complicated roster. It's it's a one that we all have an app on our phone to tell us what shift we're working with today. It's that complicated, that, that six and four roster. And because it led to the shifts, I suppose for your listeners, it's six days on, four days off, But you work six, 10-hour shifts. So you work 60 hours in your working week. But because of the start times and finish times, and every, every employee, no matter their regard, or someone working in a shop or, or, or any other industry, there's European laws in place in terms of rest periods you can have between between ships and, and in their, and weekly rest that you should have. And because of the structure of that roster, to get those adequate rest periods between ships and between weeks of work, because of the sixty hour working week. it's, it's it, it is the the movement in it is, is very is very limited.
1: All right. In the meantime, you're hoping that that meeting with the minister uh, might help to kick off some form of negotiation but, ag-
4: again. Uh, uh, yeah,
3: yeah. We said that we—that's what we look for. We look for the minister to to encourage everyone back to the table, and, and her intervention would be would be welcomed by by the association in in kickstarting the negotiations again. Like the 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 commissioner seems to think that the Workplace Relations Commission and perhaps the Labour Court is the best solution to this, but. Rarely any side comes out fully happy from from the labor court or, or from the WRC, and and, and usually negotiate at the negotiating table we can come up with a, a proper solution that, that that suits both sides and and provides a, a proper service. Like go back to six and the six and four roster in November doesn't provide a proper service. We've we've seen implementation plans from around the country. There's holes all over the place in terms of in terms of filling the five units. I know I've seen. I've seen a uh, site of, of all the districts in Tipperary with major issues and different units of shortages of members. The Commissioner told the Minister that there was going to be no disbanding of specialist units. You can see reports in the papers yesterday and today from Limerick, where all the the, the border units are going disbanded mm-hmm. there. In DMR West, we there's a report in today's Daily Mirror from Michael O'Toole that uh, the crime unit that, that, that combated the Westie gangs and the Gucci gang up there are being disbanded. Yeah. So, so... The, the, the minister said yesterday she was assured by the commissioner that humans were being disbanded. But yes, the newspaper reports over the last few days, and from speaking to my colleagues around the country, there's special students being disbanded on order. So it's, it's it's it'd be in genuine. It, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be true to say there's not special students being disbanded, and there wasn't problems with the roster beyond order. Is we can see we can see the holes that this new six are returning to the six and four is going to cause, and it'll it'll jeopardise the service for the public and the safety of my members that they won't have the adequate cover that they need when they're going out to police the country.
1: All right, Richie, well, good to talk to you today. We'll be watching uh, the results of those meetings with uh, great interest. Thank you. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thanks, uh, GRA Rep for Tipperary, Richard Kennedy, speaking to us uh, there on that uh, revelation of that uh, roster Reform Project report that was finalised in 2019. 1800 007.
0: Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Puck On, you can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Welcome back to uh, Tip Today Now in response to the headlines in uh, the newspapers today, one of our listeners says it must be said that any time there's a health issue, or. Minister of her Health, Stephen Donnelly is never to be seen. He's a waffler of the highest order, says one of our listeners out there, and that's making reference, I presume, to that independent review of uh, spinal surgeries that has been carried out uh, by a consultant in Temple Street Hospital. Um, and it's to be widened out now, seemingly to cover all pediatric orthopedics in the state. Somebody else again making reference to some headlines in the newspapers to say uh, see is saying the directive from Michael McGraw regarding cash is to be welcomed, and let's hope that he talks to the g a a Fran okay, oh eight three three double one double three double one. now the Toj to Hall Martin has defended his decisions. Uh, during the pandemic and insists that he won't engage in sound bites. discussion over rights and wrongs committed by the government during the COVID crisis. A bit of a, a tit-for-tat between the two leaders, himself and uh, Leo, um, has erupted following a rather damning critique indeed by the Taoiseach of key pandemic decisions uh, while Mr Martin uh, held office. Well, I'm glad to be joined now by uh, one of our listeners, Richie. Richie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. And Good to talk to you today, Richie. What are you making of the admissions by uh, the Taoiseach to begin with?
5: Well, I suppose you'd have to say better late than never. Um, something you wouldn't expect for someone to come out and say, hey, we got it wrong. Mm. But at least um, it's a step forward. Um, I think the measures at the time were very excessive and very heavy-handed. And looking back now, we all know it was very aggressive by the government with their moves and shutting down schools, shutting down businesses, uh, forced vaccination, forced uh, mask wearing, etc. People couldn't go to their churches, people couldn't go to funerals or weddings. It was a direct disgrace from the government, and we had to say, COVID 19 didn't cause this. This was a government decision to shut down all these places. And to take away rights from people, it was a darn right disgusting thing they did. And to see people being forced off of buses or off of trains because they didn't wear a mask, even though they had medical exemptions, Guardi were very heavy-handed throughout the whole thing. But I can understand what the
1: Guardi coming from. They had to do as they were told. Well, they, they were instructed. Um, I don't think we, we, we would have heard from the teacher in the way we did if uh, Dr. Tony Holohan had not published his memoir, um, would you agree with that, first of all? Did that
5: prompt n- n- the reaction? Not just that, I would think myself, I think he's just flying a kite to see how people are going to react. Is he going to get forgiveness or is he still going to be damned into the history books mm. for taking away people's but, rights? But is there, during not, those two is there
1: years? not an element of... Possibly electioneering where this is concerned because I mean, oh,
5: absolutely, there's an election looming on, oh, definitely, yeah. yeah, definitely. Because, and of course, Mehal Mi- Martin,
1: on, Martin was, was Taoiseach at the time, I suppose, and yes. uh, that's what he's pointing towards.
5: Oh, absolutely, yeah. there, there's gonna be a breakup, I think, between the three parties. I'm sure they're gonna go their separate ways, and hopefully, we won't see any of those three parties return mm. anytime soon, you know. But, um,
1: yeah. Yeah, let, let, me, let me play devil's advocate on this for a moment, mm-hmm. if I can, Richie, and let me put it to you, what was put to us at the time, that the government were following the science, they were following the best advice at the time, they were going along with international standards on this and all of that. Um, does any of that sort of give you any solace?
5: No, no solace at all. They did not follow the science, absolutely did not. At that time, it was a one-sided... Narrative If anyone came out and they were outspoken in a different direction, saying, Hey, I think the vaccine program has been rushed, I think we should, you know, ease back. No, you wouldn't been allowed to come up with that conversation, let it be on any public debate. You would have been branded the person wearing the tin file hat, or you would have been branded as um, an anti vaxxer. It was a one sided debate the whole way, and it's only now we can have that open debate, you know? Up to then, there was no open debate. It was a one-sided argument.
1: And do you think we can have that open debate now? Or or do you think there's still a single narrative where a lot of this is concerned?
5: Well, probably. You know, there's a lot of people out there who, who were taken in by the whole COVID thing, you know? And they're still going around wearing their masks, you know, they're still doing it, like, track on, you want to wear one, wear one, like, you know, but people have been taken in by a disease at the time. And a worst-case scenario, you had a 97% full survival rate, and that was even for somebody who would have been, say, prone, you know, in, in, in the hard-risk areas, you know. So it was very of and over-the-top, you know. It was an awful lot of rubbish going on at the time if people can think back on their history which is only two years ago we we had doctors and nurses uh, dancing around the place in in hospitals and, and Gardee dancing to the stupid Jerusalem song you know a lot of things happened I, I would have to say were mm-hmm uh stupid at the time and were all told go out and ring your bell or go out clap at seven o'clock in the evening for the services you know it, it was they made absolute ages out of people you know well, was that
1: not um, an attempt at the time richie uh, to i i don't know to to sort of you know rally the troops and uh to
5: not really you know it was pure from a morale point of view on, and all of that no, it was a 100% propaganda machine in full works, you know. And I know I said to you before, once I had to take a journey over a two-hour journey, and I just wanted to listen to the radio, listen to a few tunes going up the radio. No, I couldn't hear one tune on the radio. It was just non-stop propaganda. And even after two hours of it, you would nearly half believe them, you know. So, mm-hmm. like I said, again, there's a one-sided narrative. No one was allowed to have any other view um it, it was discussed in what people not being a of respects at, at funerals and etc it was Richard, absolutely
1: could, horrific could, times. could could i attempt to stand up for the media here and the broadcasters by saying that we were following i suppose the science at the time and we were very very careful because we didn't want to put people's lives in jeopardy so we were we were looking to what was told to us was best practice you know <laughs>
5: You know, you see, that's the thing you were told. Mm. And it's the same thing you could say following orders. We were told to say this and to say that. And we can't forget all radio stations TVs received grants of excessive 90,000 euros to replace profits, you know, from the, the, the fall off of advertising. Well, as did so other, businesses, other businesses. Other you businesses know.
1: did as well, as you know, yeah. Oh,
5: yeah, 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 yeah I know. But look, it, it, it's, people should be seeking forgiveness now you know, for their part and parcel in it. Now, and some TV presenters and radio presenters have come forward saying this, we pushed a narrative there. I'm so sorry for pushing a narrative. We shouldn't have pushed the agenda, but we did. And to put their hands up, and I say fair play to people in the media who have come forward and said, look, we got it wrong. We shouldn't have promoted the vaccines the way we did promote them, you you
1: Do you think then that Leo Radcar deserves a pat on the back for his stance on this?
5: No, I don't think so, no. I no. think he knew what he was doing from the get-go. And the same with Mr. Martin the same thing. Yeah, well, they, well, they
1: would doing, disagree you know? profoundly with you on that.
5: Of course they would, yeah, 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 of course they
1: would, yeah, of course they would. They'd have to, you know. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I mean, basically, the the other part was the, the, the meaningful Christmas and all of that and all that occurred. And then we, we lost 1,500 people in, in January by opening up. Do you, do you accept that, for example?
5: No, I don't. I wouldn't accept it at all. But, but, There's been no but, autopsies around there to um, back up their claims, you know. Um,
1: and you don't accept, accept the one, figures. Um, you don't accept no, those. No, figures. I
5: don't accept the figures at all. Look, by Verarka's own admission, if you fell off your bicycle tomorrow morning and you ended up in an A&E, you were treated as a COVID patient. And that's on the record books for everybody, you know. So the numbers were massaged from the get go. The numbers came out every evening of so many cases and so many deaths. And like I said at the beginning, most people had more than a ninety-seven percent chance of catching COVID and surviving. You know, and well, un- unless you
1: were scenario, elderly you know? and vulnerable uh, in the in some. Yeah, place. that left
5: three percent mm. of of actually dying from disease. Just three percent. A lot more people die from the winter flu. So, Richard, is there is there COVID. much
1: more to come out where this is concerned? Uh, I
5: think there will be more. I think growing at the tip of the iceberg right now. You know, mm. I think there's more. Look, people. Have gone to Garda stations with volumes of paperwork, demanding an investigation into the excess debts in Ireland, and the Gardaí are doing nothing. And I wish they would do something, you know, and find out why have we got such an excessive debt rate in the country. Well, right well
1: now. I was—I'm not sure if you—if you caught the interview, but I spoke to Pádraig Tobin about that on Monday, I think it was, about the excess uh, debts, and I pushed him on it, and I said. Uh, to him, you know, did he figure that it was related in some way to vaccination or to COVID? (laughs) And he was more looking at the notion that uh, people were backed up in terms of cancer care and that during COVID. They didn't get to see their consultants. They didn't get uh, to have um, a prognosis and uh, that's why we are where we are. That's
5: also true. That is an element. There's no doubt about that. That is an element also. But when you were at the vaccination centres or your GPs or whatever people were asked to hang around for 15 minutes after vaccination in case you had a reaction, and many people did, you know.
4: Yeah, so, but I
1: mean, you, you have that even if you give blood, you know, you, there's always a possibility of, of fainting or... Of a, a
5: fainting, yeah, yeah, but you weren't there for, um, what was the word again, analytic, uh shock. Um, you wouldn't be treated for that, like in, in a blood transfusion, you know. There, there, there would be an ambulance mm. um, waiting in the wings to, to car people away, you know. There's been so many people injured um, by the vaccine. And from what I can see, the government just want to push this one under the carpet. Mm. I, I think an investigation has to be called into and get to the bottom. Oh, I wish I was wrong and I hope I'm wrong.
1: And do you accept the what?
5: what you know? man,
1: many doctors have told me on this program is that, you know, with any vaccination, there will always be a percentage that will have an unfortunate reaction uh, with any vaccination. I mean, do, do you accept that, for example?
5: I would accept that, yeah. I would accept that, yeah. People do have reactions, not as what's good for me is not good for you or whatever and vice versa. That that can happen, you know. But if we were to go back to the very first person in Ireland um, who was vaccinated, a lady there, she turned out to be a crisis actor at the time, the very first lady in the country who received a, a Pfizer vaccine. So it was always a push for people to receive these vaccines and from talking to people who I know very well who've received vaccines have regrets in getting them and they wish they never had them you know now that's personal to a lot of people you know whether they want to go ahead yeah. with the next I mean, still, or
1: not, I mean, you know? e- even at this stage, many GPs that I've spoken to would still say, you know, vaccination was the right thing to do. It saved an awful lot of lives, and the, that's the way. Do Do you think that this is no. going to become a big blame issue when it comes to a general election? Do you think that this is? I going to- th- I, I
5: think it is. I think there's going to be a massive point of contention. And personally, myself, I have no more faith in, in, in the GP service no more. I have no faith in GPs no more because, <clears throat> frankly, to be honest with you, they all got paid. No one went out and said, hey, I'm going to give up my free time and I'm going to vaccinate people for free. They all got paid, you know. And well, with the risk of well, people getting injured. giving
4: up time,
1: I suppose. Did, did, not, not
5: that they weren't giving they're up. They're not, 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 not deserved no, one gave up. no, of course they deserve to be paid. But if you had a true pandemic, everyone would put their shoulder to the wheel.
4: And we'd all help
5: each other. So it's like coming across a car accident on the road. No one would think twice to get out of their car and helping their fellow man. They're not going to say, hey, I'm a doctor and I need to get paid and I'm going to jump out only when I'm paid. That doesn't happen. People put their lives at risk every day of the week to help people for free. to don't charge, you know. Now I understand doctors do need to get paid. But in the times of the pandemic, their shoulders shouldn't be put to the wheel. We need these people now.
1: Yes, well of course they would tell you Richie, I mean in fairness to them, they were flat out um, right throughout the pandemic in terms of looking after people and the like, but anyway, so you reckon this is going to trundle on? There will be more?
5: There will be more, okay. there, there will be more I, I have no doubt that there will be more and I think
1: there's a lot more to come, you know. All right. Richie, great to talk to you today and thanks for your opinion. Uh, good to hear from you. 1800 938 007. The text and WhatsApp is only 331. 3311,
0: 3311. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan. The name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Huge response to Richie there, and I will get back to reflecting some of that in just a little while. But right now onto something else that I'm fascinated by. Uh, military investigators are facing a slew of questions in the States about why an F-35 stealth fighter jet went missing for more than 24 hours before it crashed in rural South Carolina. Now, delighted to be joined in the studio by a great friend of ours, Bernie Goldback. And Bernie, of course, as well as being a multimedia lecturer, with TUS in Clonmel. He was an airlift control centre, uh, ALCC mission controller for the US Air Force Military Transport. And um, he uh, joins me in studio, as I said. Good morning to you, Bernie. Um, I'm completely fascinated by this. Will you tell us first of all about an F-35 stealth fighter?
6: What exactly is that? It's, it's expensive. So that, that was an F-35B if you saw any of the if you saw Maverick, you'd know that's like a fifth generation fighter. Back in 2006 the first one flew. I think the one that um, was flying was probably taken between 2015 and 2019 by the Marine Corps So it's an f35b model um, valued about 80 million dollars. Um, that's for the aircraft. The pilots I know that fly them, their helmets alone cost $400,000, just the helmets. (laughs) Wow. So you're talking about a flying uh, off-the-shelf, very sensor-aware computer that is a Mach 1.6 Mach supersonic fighter that can do amazing things. So it was specified to be able to go in and suppress... An enemy target do some air to air but normally get in and get out without being detected and as you insinuated it kind of flew on undetected after the pilot bailed out so for it, about 24 hours no 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 it, it went it went oh to, it wasn't found yeah, for it was found hours. Okay. the debris field right. wasn't found yes so like people were saying how is that possible and uh, they heard the word like transponder was turned off ha and all the conspiracy theorists saying okay that's strange this is an aircraft that was flown on the wing of another aircraft, so he's a wingman. When you fly on the wing, you don't turn on your transponder because that gives two radar signals on the air traffic controller's scope, and it kind of confuses them, so you keep your transponder off. It's also a stealth fighters, which means if the radar is trying to paint it, it has the signature of like a metal golf ball, so you can't pick it up. The skin paint is like all the gunmetal gray cars you see around Clonmel. It's designed with composites. So it's more out made made out of more uh, composite uh, me, uh, dev- uh, metals. It's mm. not composite metals. I forget the type of. It's like fifteen four different kinds of main composite. If you can imagine epoxy being the, the one of the main ingredients of it, doesn't put off a signature based on how the engines are set up, how the tails set up, and yet for that reason it. Evaded radar detection when it flew after the pilot ejected.
1: Right. But the question everybody is asking is why did the pilot eject if the plane was capable of flying on?
6: Well, this is somebody I have a, I'm a trained flight service, flight safety investigator. So we we'd go to the debris field and pull, look for specific parts which might be a, a recurring problem. And we also talk to the pilot because all, most accidents are actually involving some humor, human factors. So I used to fly in a small supersonic jet myself, uh, closed confines, uh, 360, well, a cockpit you can see out of like a, you're flying, It's like you're flying into a, a glass house, uh, except you're flying fast in your ejection seat. So typically a pilot gets out of a plane, if it's uncontrollable or if there's smoke in the cockpit or if there's some kind of uh, potential catastrophic failure, that's that's where that's why you'd pull the handles to eject from the plane and when you eject you're actually firing a rocket under your seat and it flies the canopy up and you you get out so if he's flying on the wing and he's losing avionics or control electronic control of the aircraft theoretically you could just you know fly as a fly your dead sled around with power and land on the wing of somebody you could but if you have smoke in the cockpit generally speaking that means something's wrong mm. and can only get worse so you get out or if the plane itself starts to act strange and you you can't figure out what's going on you leave the plane um now there is a known problem with the like an impeller fan a little little like a propeller that keeps the fuel system clean and keeps the fuel system pressurized and there have been incidents where that causes some congestion to the fuel flow line, which would then result in the engine running rough, potentially making the pilot feel, wait a minute, I'm getting signals which say I'm getting some over-temperature, potential turbine blade failure. If that happens, you can shred part of the engine and sever part of the system that actually causes you to allow you to to, to eject. So it might have been something, a simple thing, like an engine vibration, accompanied by a variety of sensor responses. Then you see these in your helmet, as well as in this... This touch screen in front of you that you got something wrong. And now uh, if you don't interpret what's going on as something that you can survive from, then you get out. Now, the thing is, that plane was flying nearly directly overhead joint base Charleston where I used to work and live. (laughs) So, you know, the light aircraft pilots around here always trained, well, look, if you have an engine failure, put it down in the field. But he's a wingman, so he might not have known where he was. And a wingman, just to explain that, there were other aircraft. Well, two, he's, he's a, a two-ship. So okay. he's flying. It's a single-piloted aircraft, So a single-seat aircraft. He's flying on the wing of another aircraft, either right up against him, probably three meters away, or maybe a you know, loose formation nine or ten meters away. Yes. But he's flying with reference to another aircraft, and that aircraft's telling him where to go and how to get there. Now, be brief what the mission profile was, I believe they took off from uh, Marine Corps Beaufort, and we're flying their regular profiles, yes. about an hour-long mission. And they were returning back, and something happens. Okay, so now the thing is, he might not have known exactly where he was, but he knew he had a situation, so he got out. And now the flight safety officer will look at this debris field. They'll zero in on known components that failed before. And if there's something else, like uh, they reported significant turbine blade or compressor failure, they'll look for engine components. They'll trying to figure out what caused this. Because the whole fleet, all the F-35s, including the ones in Europe, that uh, different uh, European nations bought, they're grounded to figure out, okay, is there a problem, a systemic problem with the F-35B? It it crashed in rural South Carolina, but is there a possibility
1: it could have crashed into a populated area and caused absolute
6: mayhem? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that's South Carolina. That's the low country. (laughs) It's it's where you go for your oysters and your Spanish moss, and, like, you know, you you probably find a lot of remnants of the Civil War in some of those areas. Uh, It's a... it's it's a more, it's low country. translated it, it's swampy. It's like the the wetlands are around here when you have... Well, but there are populated areas. And, yeah, but know. not in that part. Right. I see, that's the handy thing about flying a fighter. You normally fly where you're not going to be around a populated area. So Charleston itself would have populated, Columbia's populated, but for other areas are large cities, but they're normally along the interstate going down towards Atlanta or into the, mm. in towards tennessee and kentucky on another major region. but
1: i suppose what i'm asking bernie is how did he know how this was going to behave this
6: could have he didn't he didn't okay. no, no no you see you're, you're, it's a survival thing you're trained okay. to get out i mean it's actually something they put you through i remember my ejection sequences my god you know over land over water it's all on a tower they put you through and sometimes you're gonna end up in the water And if everything doesn't deploy you'll get very wet and you'll sink other times it's you end up on the the 300 meter tower and you're going down on sand mm. so you go through the sequence and you practice the ejection sequence it's a, it's like a it's a motor memory thing like you sensing a problem you're getting out because I mean the pilots is you could say the pilots are as valuable as that 80 million dollar aircraft I mean yeah a trained asset no of course you you describe the
1: ejection process then as rocket like in some is. way is there also a danger that that in itself because it's so aggressive uh, would have damaged the technology within
6: the... Probably not. I mean, it's all, it's, all these are systems and subsystems. Now, ejection sequence will, it'll just take out the canopy, remove, the seat comes out, all your cables disconnect, but the the basic avionics and power plant, the underlying technology, the aircraft.
1: There's also some speculation that the ejection was accidental in
6: some way. It's hard to pull handles. (laughs) and fire a rocket under your butt. It's, you have to really think about that.
1: Right, and there's nothing else that could have ignited that in some way other than physically pulling that. Just
6: the opposite normally happens, not normally, but I've been with people who forgot to take the pins out that prevent the ejection seat from firing. So that, that that's actually more common than someone accidentally ejecting themselves.
1: What about then the speculation, as you call it, the conspiracy theories around this, um, that there's, Something more sinister happening here. Um,
6: I, I don't know. I mean, like the the sinister reporting, the the undercurrent that people report is: how could a plane go missing and no one find it? Why was the transponder off? I mean, all these things are easy to answer. Well, transponder was never on. Well, not meant to be. Uh, Why could they? Because the other plane. Yeah, why can't they find it? Well, it's meant to be like uh, a stealth aircraft. You're not going to see it. I mean, one person I know said, I heard this low sound and then an explosion. So, yeah, that meant the engine, theoretically, was running normally before it crashed, which is a big problem because now somebody, some sensor was wrong or some action was wrong. I mean, I've been with people who mistook the condensation coming out of their ventilation system as smoke. And, like, I'm not saying the pilot did that, hmm. but, like, a lot of things, in my experience, 40% of all the accidents I looked at were caused by the pilot. So I'd be making sure, I'd be looking deep into figuring out, okay, what, hey, what did you see, and what do the, what does the, the rest of the, uh, there's no cockpit voice record, well, there is a cockpit voice recorder, but where, what do the other uh, devices on the plane say was happening? And most of that plane's just one big sensor, and you can, the, the wiring is part of what you might find in an Airbus, it's the same yeah,
1: stuff. I, I can understand the notion of stealth where the enemies are concerned, but, I mean, should there not be a more successful way of, you know, being able to, I suppose, know what the plane is doing from the point of view of the people who are in control? Well,
6: if I was the lead pilot, I would have followed that plane, but what he did was he orbited over the pilot ejected. So I would have followed, I would have said, look, lad, I'm, I'm, you know, I would have told air traffic control, look, uh, it looks like my, you know... My, you know if, slide zero two 2 is landing near the airbase, I'm going to follow the aircraft. I would have done that, but you're trained to you make the orbit over the pilot as he's going down. To make and, sure he's safe, is yeah. that it? but I mean, I would have made the decision look like, come on, he's landing in a populated area in North Charleston, South Carolina. He can probably walk home from there, well, hitch a ride back to the north part of northern part of South Carolina, but I would have followed the plane. Now, that would have been me to do that, mm. and then I would have declared an emergency and, and, you know, stopped the other aircraft from taking off so that I would have been like a mini AWACS following the plane, yes. but that would have—that's what I would have done.
1: Would it have been a possibility for the other airplane to take out that rogue plane if it was? I don't think they were armed.
6: I don't know if they were armed. Oh, you see, a lot of these guys—they go up and they do, they do flight flight profiles on drones that are offshore, so they're it is a matter of um, launch, acquire the target, uh, attack the target without being detected, and re- recover. So different profiles you're on the aircraft. Might not have been armed. It may sound like a stupid question to you, but is there a version of a black box? Well, yeah. Well, you have all the, the 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 aircraft is transmitting so many sensors and signals back to base and back to the lead aircraft. So you'd have all you'd have a lot of data based on what it's telling the world. However, um, it's a matter of whether, as a wingman, all that's activated because that would put out signal. You can tell by the plane when it, how it crashed, why it crashed. You can tell by the bending of the compressor blades, whether it was an engine that was running or not. You can find the, the thing I'm talking about, the fuel line and the known component that failed, and see if that thing was working. You can analyze the fuel to see if it's contaminated. Lots of things easily done when you have a, an aircraft that's on ground that, whose parts you can pick up. Yeah. And then you can talk to the pilot about rewinding, okay, what happened and when and then what you did when?
1: And, and then, from your experience of investigations and investigations into pilots and whatever, I mean, what about his career now? I mean, there's an 80 million euro, at least. There, well, some, of, some of the estimations are 140 million. No, no, but
6: that's for the new, but, no, once, that's a B model, so it doesn't have the full capability of the C model. And some people say, yeah, it's a Marine Corps plane, so it's definitely not worth hundred million <laughs> so you have less you have fewer things yes. on it it could, doesn't the mission isn't the right. same, so is his career sort of well it depends what happened Tom Cruise was able to come back from yeah. it, but um it depends what happened look at, look at what you know who who did you know the human factor of this is important, and you can bet that the commandant on the Marine Corps is looking at let's figure out who that was and let's make sure that the right thing is done mm. uh, I mean like uh, people make mistakes. I'm not saying the pilot made a mistake, but you want to try to figure out would other people have made that same error if the pilot did it? And would other aircraft have that same problem if it's a fuel impeller, uh, fuel system problem? Mm. I mean, you, you try to make sure this stuff doesn't happen. There's... I don't know how many of these aircraft have been lost, but like, they've been involved in six different combat operations, and there is a litany of... Well, a litany by half a dozen planes I'm aware of were involved in like engine fires or other things, so... But that's normal for... Fighter aircraft that they're, you know, they they have lots Mm. of little parts on them that could go wrong.
1: From what I've read, uh, it makes the Marine Corps look a little a little silly, doesn't it? Or uh, they're certainly portrayed as being a little silly that they they lost the plane for a period of time, for example. (laughs) You know,
6: (laughs) I said so. That's the reporting done. The Marines didn't lose them. The air traffic control or the, the the reporters are saying, "Where's that plane?" And the Pentagon says, "Well, actually, we don't know." And then it becomes, "Well, the Marines lost the." lost where it is is. I'm thinking well not really it's mm. it landed crashed and this it, because it's so unpopulated where it crashed no wonder i mean the yes. mud doesn't report a crash just the people have to see it and hear it
1: and to commercial airlines was there any threat to them the fact this thing was going rogue for at least no, a it was period low of altitude.
6: time it was low altitude it right. wasn't gonna and all the air the air fields the commercial airfields charleston and all the other aircraft would be up above it
1: so so what's low altitude for these then? What twenty thousand? No, below ten thousand. But th- oh, as low as that?
6: Yeah, below ten. Now I'm sure he's probably between. Uh, for the, I don't know the profile, but I mean, when, when we were recovering, we'd stay above ten so we could stay at least three hundred knots, uh, and then um, and that avoids a lot of people have to be on oxygen if you're in a light plane above ten. So stay above ten. Uh, so if he was recovering into to Beaufort, well. He was, He might have been on a descent track coming in hmm. to that airfield, but still stay above ten, uh, get down to three or four thousand feet within about ten miles of the base, and then descend further to fifteen hundred feet, and pitch out.
1: Um, you've experience of these pilots who have made that decision, and as you say, it's built into their training. Uh, training, but is there is there a, a trauma attached to this in some way? I mean,
6: well, the one the trauma you mentioned is the one that the pilots probably feel is, oh my God. What did I do? do? I like can make clear my name. So there is a, you know, I mean, it's, it's an unexpected activity to go bail out. So there, there is some, a de- you go you, you do a physical exam to make sure you didn't have spinal compression and things like that, because there's a sudden explosive force on yes. you. Well, he,
1: he was released from hospital, I understand. Yeah, so, so they,
6: they do a quick uh, x-ray and and, and, yeah. and a stress analysis and all that, and then probably put him in a position where people, where he's told, don't talk to anybody until we talk to you. You know, you know don't be, you know, Yeah. Don't keep. Okay. So w- will the the full report on
1: this be made public?
6: Uh, enough of it will come through the Pentagon to outline why it happened, like the cause of the problem. And then that will also trickle into all the other nations that have the aircraft to say, here's how you can prevent this problem. When they ca- find the primary causal factor. So you'll hear that. It may take... I'd expect the initial cause to be known within six or eight weeks. Mm. And then there'll be an initial report to take up to a year to finish the whole thing, especially if there's something significant like a maintenance routine that somebody failed to do and someone's called to task for that or a flying routine that somebody or the supervisors failed to fix before the problem occurred. So they'll have a, they'll have a variety of actions taken locally to make sure that the cause is well identified, the primary causes, any secondary causes are identified, and then the actions are taken and then that's going to survive scrutiny. You know, uh, be fair. It's
1: very interesting. Are, are you surprised at the huge amount of attention and uh, sort of? Print but I'm actually, on this. I'm actually
6: more surprised by the not surprised, but it, and what in, intrigues me is the the user experience of flying a complex aircraft. I mean, I, the helmet, for example, the sensors that are in front of somebody, the touch screen, the speech recognition that that plane can do, the the all or total array that you can see based on what you tell your helmet to do or what your touchscreen to do, you can see what the plane's doing and what the plane, what's happening around the plane, like radar being acquiring you as a target. That, that's what intrigues me the most, is this flying user experience that's there. It's just phenomenal. And what kind of speeds are we talking about? Well, you, you're, you're, to maneuver normally on a plane like that, you're flying at 300 knots, so th- what, about 350 kilometers an hour, which you fly at 6, six meters a second what you're doing and that's normal you know and then when you're pursuing somebody up to 1.6 mock, you know the afterburners kick in and you can move you can catch a lot of things going 1.6 times the speed of sound um but you know you're normally you're thinking when you're thinking when, when you see a point to turn you're behind turning already. So you lead with everything you do, because and then you feel your, your legs get compressed, and your belly gets compressed by the, the G-suit that you're wearing. Just that whole environment is kind of it's fun. And, and no flight simulator can do all that, can give you the, literally the, the feel of flying it. So I'm waiting for the new Microsoft simulator probably 20 years from now, where you put the helmet on. You know, just by moving your head, you can fire missiles and chase somebody.
1: Wow, it's incredible. Bernie, it's always good to talk to you. Thank you so much. uh, Indeed. News and information is coming up.
0: Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
1: Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. As I say, huge response to Richie being on with me this morning. Richie was on to um, give us his take on uh, the recent uh, announcement from Leo Varadkar, I suppose, on Monday, um, making the point that mistakes were made in terms of how COVID was dealt with. And then the tarnish to Micheál Martin uh, defending his decisions during the uh, pandemic and insisting that uh, he would not engage in sound bites to uh, discuss the rights and wrongs of how the government dealt with uh, COVID. But uh, absolutely mixed response from our listeners to what Richie had to say to us this morning. Everything from get that man off the radio to complete agreement with what uh, he was saying to us the this morning. So just to give you an indication of uh, that. Now, as you know, just... You see, it, it, it's not all that long ago, but sometimes we, we forget how... Uh, The the whole thing went. I mean, Leo Varadkar led the government's initial response, you might remember, to the pandemic in the aftermath of the 2020 election. But many of the key decisions were taken by Fianna Fáil under Micheál Martin as Taoiseach under that rotating office Agreement that was struck between uh, the parties. So, uh, again, what I'm wondering is will this become a big sort of a blame game as we approach a general election? Do you think so? Is that what's uh, behind this at this point? 083 three, three, double one, double three, double one. Now, yesterday I spoke to Sarah Cassidy, who is head of clinical services in Ashiree in care, and Jerry Carroll was with us as well. Jerry is head of recovery support services, Ashiree in care one of the country's most well-known addiction centres, as I'm sure you're aware, and they've been in existence for 40 years now. Well, listeners responded to the conversation I had with Sarah and with uh, Jerry by telling their stories and uh, pointing out how Ashari has uh, turned their lives around. Well, Liam was on to us and he joins me now. Liam, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Liam, and good to talk to you today. You were listening to that conversation yesterday and you were good enough to get in touch uh, with us. Would you tell me your son's story?
2: Well, um, my son went through a difficult time uh, in his early 20s uh, with, with alcohol, etc. And eventually, after a long struggle, he decided he wanted help. And that was difficult for to get him to, to come to that decision. And uh, he, we arranged to get him into Ashiree. And that's what, he's 17 years now, sober, a transformation. I would classify it as a miracle. Uh, I'm so proud of him now. He went, went through it all on a voluntary basis. I remember going into Ashiree uh, with him and uh, he was assessed. The next thing I was calling as a parent. And I, I remember the young lady, uh, the counsellor, wherever she was, saying, and um, your son, you can go out anytime you want to. But there's no one knocking you in here. But he he made the decision to stay there. He spent a month there, and uh, he's turned the corner. He went back to college, went back to sport, has a successful business, in his own business running now, married, and they uh, have like two grandchildren, which is and, and a daughter now. And, and it's it's look, I, I'm so happy. I'm so so happy the way it turned out.
1: And. All of that, you would say, or most of that, I mean, lot uh, due to his own uh, decision and his own self-discipline, but, I mean, to Asharee, you would say, Liam.
2: Oh, 100%. I yeah. mean, you know, it's a long time now and it's hard to remember it all, but um, if he hadn't gone there, I, I just wonder where would he be now. Yeah. That, that's the thing. And it was all voluntary, but... Uh, and, you know, even... It, over the years, and even up to a few days ago, when I'd have a cup of coffee with him or something, he'd always say that you have to make the decision. The person who's who's in trouble has to make that decision. It's like bringing the horse to the well, you know. Yes. And 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 th- that has been consistent. And the other thing with him as well, he goes to at least or attends it even by Zoom or whatever at least two meetings, a meetings every week up to this day.
1: Right. So he doesn't take it for granted. No. Um. in You in He's 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 topping up. Um. His experience all of the time, I suppose. Liam, is that it? He's.
2: Yes. I I, I. I. What he keeps saying to me is one day at a time. Dad. Yeah. 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 And I can I can relate to that. Which,
4: yes.
1: Can you tell me about how families are affected, Liam? Uh, because Sarah spoke to us about oh. that yesterday. I could. Uh, you know, you'd
2: run about four hours on, on the program for this. Um, I remember he, he's a, a couple of years older than he's uh, one of his sisters, and uh, I remember it was her twenty-first, and my my mom was still alive at the time. Of the rest of her. and we all went to the twenty-first celebrating the party, and my my mom was there. The next day, when he was when he when he was on uh, drinking heavy and that before he got the the, the therapy he didn't recognise any of the family. And uh, and his sisters were so embarrassed about it all with all their friends and everything. It it was a moment, it's a day I will never forget, actually. We were hiding him from my mum, which to me was a horrible thing. And, you know, I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but, you know, you need a family in support once he goes in there to Ashiree. It's the family, uh, or the kernel of it as well, you know? with the meetings and everything and the follow up afterwards so anyone i would suggest anybody who's going through something like this sit down and talk to people don't ever give up communicate don't ever give up
1: and is i presume it's not a cliche that that notion of having to reach rock bottom before you reach out for for help liam I
2: suppose not you know i wouldn't have that much experience of people who have reached rock bottom, who have come through it well, but uh, but I do see the people around him uh, uh, and uh, he, the organization he's involved with, the uh, uh-huh. EE, Mechanics and Amos, they are so supportive, and uh, they're, they're like a team. Of them for every, even at weddings or funerals or whatever, they're around. They're in the background watching in case any of their, their members, uh, you know, relapse. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, so they're always there and ready to to reach out, as you say, with uh, help.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Have, have you thought about because I was putting this, and I'm always fascinated by it, and I put it to Sarah and uh, Jerry yesterday about whether or not people are predisposed in some way to becoming alcoholics, or whether it's just a situation they find themselves in, or is it personality driven? Have you thought about that much, Liam?
2: I have yes yeah I, I I would say the breakup in in our marriage uh was a factor um but I mean that's fairly common now compared to years ago when there yes. wasn't divorce um yeah. but uh it's hard to know it's yeah. it's hard to know it's 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 hard to know you see there's a huge culture then of drink everywhere yes yeah I mean I I, I was I he's 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 um my grandchildren his children birthday party the other day there was no alcohol at the birthday party
1: and that was and del- that was deliberate obviously
2: oh absolutely yeah. and you know any time i go to the house you know but if i wanted i could have brought in a beer if i wanted to but no mm. it's just accepted you know and the family are happy with all that his sisters are there and his mom and everything you know so it's um yeah,
1: it's, it's interesting. Look, it's and, a
2: learning process.
1: Yeah, and is there something about us Irish that, you know, alcohol has to be involved in? You know, now, I feel a bit of a hypocrite here because God knows I enjoy a drink, to say the least, Liam, but, I mean, is there something about us that we're not able to celebrate or we feel we can't celebrate anything very much without alcohol being involved? Yeah, I, I,
2: there's a lot in it, Frank. Our uh, I love a pint of Guinness. I'd be honest with yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, uh, and... Um, but I, I, I do see as well, at times, if we drink too much, mm. we're a different person. I mean, I, I'd often have a, I won't say often, that's now, I'm, I'm in my 70s now, but a late night, for whatever it was, a wedding or whatever, the next day, you, you question yourself.
4: Yes, of course. Yeah. I,
2: I, yeah. I do it regularly. I, I question myself. And I say, did I say anything wrong or did I do anything wrong? And I say, you know and uh, in my 70s saying that I don't think the younger people would do that.
1: Yeah it's it's interesting so, sometimes I examine my own conscience where this is concerned in that you know I'm prone to sort of periods of melancholy to 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 put it mildly and I know that drinking um does not help that in fact it can amplify it um, and still I'd have those few glasses of wine even though I know it's going to Make me feel worse. I mean, how's it seems stupid to be lame sometimes, you know?
2: Yeah, but we still have to live, though, don't we, yeah, Fran?
1: I suppose. I suppose.
2: Yeah. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I suppose educating people how to drink, but uh, it's look, no, it's 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 there. It's in Ireland, and I don't think it's going to change. It's just uh, it's not going to change. I mean, I at night, at that time I go well. I, I don't like going up town out night, but. At weekends, I see some people falling on over the place. You know, it worries me, scares me. It
1: does? Yeah, I know it's an age thing, but I, I I see the way young people are drinking now, and it's a whole other form. I mean, I couldn't stay with them at a bar, for example.
2: No, no I agree with you. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and and there was a ten. Uh, I was at a function recently, and at the end of it, they are throwing these shots down. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. I call them bazookas or whatever, but they're, they're ridiculous. you know? Yeah. Yeah. It seems
1: it seems to be because get drunk as quickly as you possibly can.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. There is a lack of self confidence or whatever it is. You know. I. I don't know. And. I don't know. Um, um, I, don't know. I, I honestly think there should be more education in the schools about it. And um, I do know my son has gone into secondary schools and talked.
1: Has he? Oh, that's fantastic. Uh,
2: oh yes. Yeah. And and. Uh, and in one case not too long ago a few months ago a teacher that's in the school and I'm not supposed to know these things but my son does tell me these mm. things phoned me because she kind of recognized him and she says maybe I shouldn't have done this but I just want to tell you you would have been very proud of him she knew me wow. and you know it's 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 people like that when when a a guy or a girl stands up in front of a young crowd and He's he's young, young as well, and say I'm an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's massive, it's massive because they listen to a younger person.
1: Yes, of, of course. course, yeah. Whereas if it's yeah. you or me, it seems like we're preaching at them in some way. Yeah. And uh yeah, yeah,
2: um, w- and 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 he's always I, I I've noticed a trend with him over over the years. He's always said that don't be judging people. You don't know what that person is carrying. You know, and its, it's he brings me down to earth when he says that. That's very, was,
1: very profound. And that obviously comes from his own experience, I, I yeah. suppose, Liam, as well,
2: yeah. Was, and, and the hardest thing I had to do in my life, I had to put him all in my house for six months before he went to, for rehab to Asheri. And to this day, he keeps saying to me, that was the best thing you ever did, Dad. That's what saved me. Yeah, he said that to me.
1: Yes. And, and how difficult was that for you at the
2: time? Oh, was oh, the hardest thing in my life. Hardest. Yeah. I I will never forget the moment I, I did that.
1: And can I ask you yeah. why you made that decision? Was that because oh, you were well, enabling was... him in some way by looking after him? Well, or... sure,
2: he was sleeping all day and he was coming, going out drinking, you know, messing. And uh, he just wasn't a nice fella, you know. Yeah, and he was on his own with me, you know, because his his sisters were elsewhere. It was um, it was the toughest thing. I you know, he told me that. that, that uh, I think he said, that "I got a rude awakening from from your dad," and I, I I had to realize the party is over. You know,
1: so it was tough love, Liam.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think you probably could describe it as that. Yeah,
1: but but heartbreaking for you, needless to say.
2: Yes, but I'm so proud of him today.
1: Yes, of course you are. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, can I ask you about the Ashiree experience from a family point of view? Was there an element of confrontation at times where you know you had to give an indication of the the toll that was inflicted yes. on the family? Was that part yes. of it?
2: Yes, and uh, when you're in a circle and your family member is there, and then you know, the, the parents are uh, siblings and um, I always remember there were three other uh, people who were attending our We we call, I, I don't want to use the word patients, mm. but uh, mm. users, we yes. call them, okay? Yes. And um, we were, the, the chairs were in circular formation, And under each other, it was on a, I think it was a Saturday morning. My ex was coming from Dublin and my daughters were, uh, were going over as well. They were elsewhere. And um, you don't know what you're facing. But but, but you're you're proud and happy that he's in there. He's getting help. Yes. And I can tell you after the first week, I could see a different person. He was so... Not that he was confident, was tough. A lot of blame. A lot of hit the fan. Things happened. Mm, mm. Uh, There was a box of tissues under every chair. And I can tell you they were used. There was blame and uh, name and blame and there was a lot of um, things brought up and that. But the facilitator, obviously very professional, handled it very well. And um, this would happen regularly. Now, I went for all the sessions. uh, Some of my families weren't able for it. But I felt I was going to hang in there. And, uh, well, he had been living with me, so I, I had to do it. And I'll always remember going back... About a year afterwards, I think they call it a Medallion Day or something, uh, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, uh, users who have been there, who have recovered, or are in recovery still. Stand up, and their family are there. And I remember my dad getting up and saying something. And I tell you something, I felt it was great. I never thought I'd see that day. It's great. You know, did just do a fantastic job. You know, I haven't been back there for years. I I I, I drove in there years ago on my own uh, and I, I I don't know I got a bit of fright, I didn't want to knock the door but I drove in to thank them this is, this is only in the last five years mm. to thank them and tell them about my son I wanted to tell them but um, I got cold feet and normally I'm not that shy but I did I got cold feet You know, someday I like, I will go in there Well, talk
1: th- you, thank you, You're on the radio doing so today Liam so we, we'll certainly pass yeah. this on uh, to them, and you know what the treatment meant to you as a family. I suppose as, as well as everything else. Can I ask you finally, Liam? I mean, I'm sure there's families listening to us today that might be—I don't know—they might be going through what you described They might have a family member who is in the throes of alcoholism. What what would you say to them?
2: It can happen. Anybody. It's your family member. Don't give up. Look for help. Go to somebody. Don't be ashamed. There's nothing wrong to put your hand up and say, I need help. There are so many people out there and services out there available to help people. Communicate. Don't close the door. Um, And, you know, what I find great, just the person who's giving you trouble, the family member, try and give them a hug. Sit down with them and look them in the eye when you're giving them the hug as well. You know that that contact is good. That's that can be reassuring.
1: It's it's lovely advice indeed, Liam. We really appreciate you coming on with us, Liam, to share that uh, story. But uh, thank you so much. And it's interesting you use the same word as Sarah did yesterday because she spoke about daily she sees little miracles, and you described what you went through and what you witnessed as a miracle as well.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Liam thank you and my best to you and your family thank you and good morning to thank you. you very much bye you're very welcome bye bye, 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 bye. You now. 1800 938 007.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: A lovely response to my chat uh, with uh, Liam there. One listener saying, What a lovely man, so honest and humble, and I'm so glad that his son has done so well. And uh, Patrick goes on to say, Fair play to that man, Uh, glad. Everything has worked out for him and his family. Um, okay, and lots more in where that is concerned as well. And thank you for that. Oh, a three three double one double three double one. Now we've been chatting about Russell Brand, who's facing accusations of rape, sexual assaults, and emotional abuse uh, over a seven-year period. It's gotten a lot of reaction from our listeners. And Paulina joins me now. Good morning, to you, Paulina.
7: Good morning, fan. How are you?
1: I'm very well indeed. I'm lovely to talk to you, Paulina. You you were a fan, or are, are you still a fan of Russell Brand?
7: Um, I was a big fan. I really like him in the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall. It's one of my favourite, you yeah. know, comedy movies. I, I thought he was very intelligent, very sharp. Obviously, he had a, a podcast about mental health and um, what he was saying on the podcast and the videos on YouTube. They were very smart things. So, mm. you know, I always liked him. Um, But I always understood um, his troubled kind of... Not past, but I suppose his behaviour. He never hid it, if you know what I
4: mean.
1: Yes, he was quite upfront about uh, his behaviour during, I suppose, the peak time of his mental health issues and the uh, the like.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. He was always open, and that's why a lot of people related to him as well in that sense. Mm.
1: But what about now with... uh, all of these accusations coming to the fore. I mean, how do you feel about him now, Paulina?
7: Well, um, there are important issues to consider here. First of all, you know, that label of uh, an abuser, uh, I don't think he will be able to get rid of it completely. Like, no matter what happens with him, that label will stick to him. And as I know so far, there are a few partners um, that he professionally collaborated with, a charity as well as does, no longer wants to work with him. So that is already, you know, ruining his brand, I suppose. And the other thing is that I always am very conscious of papers in Britain. You know, there is no longer anything exciting happening with Harry or Meghan, so they have to have a story that's clickable. Someone is trying to look for a story, doing the research, and then publishing it. And it is clickable, you know, we're talking about it. So I have that at the back of my mind. Um, However, I'm also aware that many times, especially women, they won't talk about sexual abuse as it's happening because we often ask ourselves, like, why, did, why didn't they speak out uh, earlier, you know, yeah, and why yeah. didn't they say anything back then? But I know um, from working with various charities uh, that, you know, sometimes you don't want to talk about it then and then, and then you realize years later that what happened was wrong. That you could have said no. And can,
1: can you
4: tell me about?
1: Can phone. you tell me about your own experience? Um, do you mind, Paulina? You, you sure. were sure. You were smacked, were you not?
7: Yeah, um, a few years ago uh, at my job, you know, uh, during a Christmas party, which was the official, you know, work gathering. <laughs> mm. Someone thought it'd be very funny to smack me on the bum. And, um, and, you know, and back then I thought it's, it's, it's funny, it's silly, it means nothing. But now I, when I'm in my late uh, 30s, I realized I wasn't right. I, I could have done something. I should have done something. Uh, apologies was not enough. And so many of these situations can seem funny, can seem, you know, um, I suppose uh, not like something serious. And then years later you realize, okay, this, this was actually uh, serious.
1: And would you, I don't know, would you reprimand yourself for not reacting in a different way at the time? I mean, do you do you look back at that and say, well, I should have said this, I should have done that? You know,
8: Absolutely, because yeah. I
7: think especially as women, and this is not to say that men are not uh, abused as well. We saw it very clearly with the Johnny Depp case, for mm. example. So yeah. men can go through that as well. However, I think especially as women, we are told not to cause trouble. Not to be too outspoken. So, you want to be a good girl and kind of, you know, not stir up a drama. Who needs it? Let's not say anything. I think women have that in their at the back of mom, uh, their mind. And then when more women speak out, maybe then they feel a bit stronger as a group and they come up with that. But um, yeah, I, I'm still happy I didn't stir up too much drama, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Mm. But yeah, maybe. maybe my my case wasn't that severe but um yeah
1: you do definitely you think about it at night the um the russell brands politics and you know he goes down the road of what many people might describe as conspiracy theories and uh, the like he hits out at the, the typically nancy pelosi anthony fauci bill gates the world economic forum all of these and the from some quarters we're hearing that the reason that all this is emerging now is some way to shut uh, Russell Brand up uh, where his political um, uh, podcasts are concerned and other like. Do you see anything in that?
7: You know what? I do. Um, as I said, like uh, I don't believe in free media um, as such. I believe media is used as a tool to, to do various things. That's why especially British media, but not only, so, it's my personal opinion. You know, I studied uh, a little bit of journalism as well and ethics in journalism. I believe media is used as a tool. So, if you want to shot a person, all you need to do is literally do a story like that. So, there is definitely uh, something to it, but it's it's so hard to know, isn't it? It's uh, like, like we need proofs. We need, but definitely, definitely. What I said in the first instance, his brand. No matter what happens, it is already damaged. So. People will always have that at the back of their mind. Will they Will they listen to him as much as before? I don't think so.
1: So he's been judged now. Because any of us who believe in democracy, I suppose, Paulina, you know the rule of law. Yeah. We believe in trial by jury and, and not by media. But, I mean, he's been tried by media even already, has he not?
4: Yeah,
7: um, I actually saw a quote the other day on a, on a cool program that there is a rule of law and there is judgment, but there's also a public opinion as a judgment, which has nothing to do with the rule of law, but you might win the case, but you might be ruined in the, in the public eye. So we have, to, we have to take that into consideration as
4: well.
1: Yeah, the only thing I'd say to that is that, of course, he's not on mainstream media. I mean, all of his uh, broadcasting, if you could call it that now, is is done on social media and is done on various other uh, media platforms. So it probably would be different if he was like Schofield was, that he was on mainstream. He probably would never get back on that again. But, there, I mean, there is an argument to be made. He can return to what he's doing because there's, there's nothing to govern it, I suppose.
7: Absolutely. And and you see that with Andrew Tate as well, you yes. know, and that, that, yeah. that's the beauty of social media, that we have that, I suppose, freedom. I remember my ethics teacher always telling me with the freedom of speech comes the responsibility and you have to be responsible for what you're saying. But definitely nothing stopping him from still continuing um, his podcast, his political views and so on and so forth. And I'm sure there are people that would go into fire for him, you know. Yes. So all yeah. remains to be seen, definitely.
1: He might be better off without the likes of Andrew Tate or Elon Musk or Tucker <laughs> Carlson speaking out on his behalf, because, of course, God knows they have their own uh, issues to contend with, I suppose. you know. They definitely do, but they also have
7: their followers,
1: you see. Huge amounts of them as well, yeah. Yep. Are, are you particularly Absolutely. offended as a woman, by the way, by Andrew Tate and his misogyny?
7: Um, You know, we actually spoke about it on Twitter before. Mm. Uh, I I do. I am. Mm. Um, I don't like it at all. Um, But, yeah, I was very happy when he was uh, comprehended in Romania Mm. (laughs) for a while. Mm. But, again, um, I'm a strong woman. You know, I'm a leader. I'm a CEO. Um, I like to think of myself as a strong leader. Uh, However, I still have these sort of... um, you know, thinking of, of of a woman, what they told us in school—that you have to be good, that you have to be kind, that you have to be polite—and I'm trying to fight with that. But that's sti- that's still
1: in there somewhere. Mm. You're saying to me, Pauline, is it that still? It, it is. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It is. It? Yeah.
7: That if you're outspoken, you you're being considered uh, loud or too aggressive, I suppose. But yeah, we still deal with it. 21st century, but. With women in business world, and not only, we're still dealing with that. So, whenever a story like that comes up, I'm like, oh, "Yeah, here we go again."
1: Paulina, it was fascinating as always to talk to you. Thanks so much for for making time for us today, because I know you're busy, Paulina. Thank you, and good morning to you. Thank you. That's uh, Paulina speaking to us this morning. How do you feel about that? Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. We'll be chatting about gardening towards the end of the program as well. If you want to. Uh, um pass on your queries. We will note them for Nesbitt so, so that's O eight three three double one double three double
0: one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Some reaction to my chat with uh, Bernie Goldbach about that uh, F-35 stealth uh, fighter jet that went uh, missing. Catherine's is wondering, was the plane carrying uh, toxic material? Uh, She says it all sounds a bit suspect. It certainly sounds very unusual indeed, but my understanding from Bernie Catherine is that it wasn't carrying uh, weapons as such and that it was a kind of a training flight. Uh, Vinny was on to us as well and he says when a pilot rejects from a plane, how does he know if the plane will crash in a populated area or not? I was trying to sort of get to that with uh, Bernie and to be honest with you, I don't think they know where the plane is going to uh, crash if they eject so it's a, it's an interesting conversation 083-311-3311 it's time for our GP uh, Dr Pat Harold and Nina good morning to you Pat good morning Fran how are you I'm very well indeed Pat it seems to me that we're hearing more and more about the condition sepsis Pat but yeah. we don't fully understand what exactly is it Pat well you might have known it by the old name of old Bosnia, but that would
9: be the thing and they used to call it after that septicemia yeah. And it's basically where your body fights a bit too hard to if you, you get the infection. Now most of us though, um, you know, we fight off an infection, we've got um things, but your body fights a bit too hard and vital origins, organs shut down and get damaged and it is pretty now, do you know what, Brian? It's not that um common and um the the in, um the NHS are kind of um and the GMS are kind of getting a bit of a campaign together about it. So mm. I want to tell you about it. But it can be hard to spot. But people may feel okay, but um, they get sort of overwhelmed by the infection. Um, and they're kind of pale, blotchy skin. And they're, you know, you may, you've probably never seen it, but it can be a different color to normal. They can they can look a bit off. They can have a rash that won't go away when you press a glass on it. You know, that's a sign of yes. sort of
1: Is it antibiotics that uh, you use to
9: Antibiotics, to? yeah, absolutely. But you'd want IV antibiotics, powerful right. antibiotics. You know, it wouldn't be something you would get a bit over the counter kind
4: of stuff.
1: Yeah, it seems to me. I, I was speaking to Senator Garrett O'Hearn, and he was telling me he recently had sepsis in in hospital, but he got it through a bite that I think he may have gotten uh, out out foreign in some way. Um, that would be usual, I guess, as well, would it? Would that be a way to to pick up? Sepsis? Well,
9: that's that's cellulitis, you see, finally where you can get um the tissues, the cells in your body to-
1: that people are prone to getting in hospital when they go in with something else is it, is it like the super bug uh, that's well, well maybe yeah, yeah. Um,
9: that, that's a good question would you pick it up particularly in hospital mm. generally something people are rushed into hospital with Yes, you know I think it yeah. Yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was just reading in the Times my old pal, Mary Shuston, um, that now we all know that Wexford Hospital has really got the top of their waiting list and casualty mm. and you go into casualty and you're treated and turned around and out to go and that's the way it should be mm. and that's the way it used it's, to it's be. It's Waterford, I think, is it? Oh, sorry, Waterford. Waterford yeah. Yes, yeah. And, Thing. Yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, it's, there's no easy fix to it and everything. And I was encouraged. I was actually meeting the other night where um, some people were talking from Limerick Hospital, Amy, and um, they said they've got a lot of initiatives going. They're working hard and things. Um, they've got things going. So, you know, I don't know, Fran. I'm kind of hopeful is two in the country have actually managed to do it. That's the sort of a template for other ones too, to nail it. Because it's very, it's very frustrating, very to offend people, you know. Um, now, if something like if you suspected somebody had that like you hit the road, there's no doubt about it, mm. to the nearest place. But um, you know, issue
1: uh, of you know what happens when you get there can be worrying to say Yes, of, of course. And we're still hearing about huge numbers on hospital, particularly where Limerick is uh, concerned. Huge, huge yeah. uh, numbers. And, and
9: Frank, can I go slightly off the point again? Of course, you can. Um, I've been, I've been listening a bit now.
1: Final uh, consultants
9: there that are the.
1: Well, it prevents you from getting um, spina bifida. Does it indeed? Right, okay. Yeah. some good advice there what are you making of those I mean it seems to be alarming issues that have emerged in relation to those surgeries at temples at Temple Street I mean they extend seemingly well beyond malpractice at this stage Pat I mean it's really unfortunate isn't it
9: yeah I I, I, I don't
1: know friend that you probably are more
9: Yeah. Um but uh this is a different thing, you see it from growing children. And um the way we do it is you look at the back and you get them to bend forward and you can see, you see a twist in it. And that's when you kind of have to intervene. They put in these things called titanium rods, And it's a pretty big um mm. operation. Titanium mm. mobs bit like Wolverine and the Margaret Blue you know, it's kind of like titanium. Yeah, sure. That's what he's got.
1: is shameful hopefully this will really be a kick up the trend for, every, for the whole service well hopefully so indeed I was asked to ask you Pat about the flu vaccine because we're getting into that sort of territory at the moment are we not
9: i i to that in front of anybody if
1: it seems it and sometimes um, Pat and we we, we look to what's been happening in australia to sort of inform us about what's going to happen with flu uh, this season um, any information on that is there any new strain out there or how is it looking for flu this time around uh, you've got to be there
9: friend. yeah i don't yeah. know you don't i'd know. have to do yeah. my homework on that yeah yeah i yeah. thought you'd know that no, see no, there you are
1: no yeah <laughs> <laughs> when i find out Pat i'll, I'll, I'll let you know but You're yeah used <laughs> far too much time, Pat, far too much yes. time. Always good to, yes. s- to chat, Pat, and thank you so much for your time. Take well. care, Pat. Thank Mine you. About you. About. That's our GP, the very popular uh, Pat Harold, speaking to us today from Nina. 1800 938 007. News and information is coming up.
2: Tip today with Fran
0: Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie.
1: Welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. Just to remind you again, do excuse me. We'll be speaking about gardening towards the end of the programme. If you have a gardening query, again, if you log in with us uh, as soon as possible, we can have it all prepared for our Alton. So that's 083-311-3311. Let's go back to some of your uh, reaction to our various topics uh, this morning. Mike was on to say, I wonder if we follow Michael D's diet. Will we get enough folic acid? Give me a break, uh, says Mike. And that's making reference to, I suppose, what has become rather controversial indeed, the uh, President's remarks at the National Ploughing uh, yesterday. Mm. Um, OK, somebody's saying, Fran, can I ask, is it possible to get sepsis from unknown reasons? I can't trace where the infection is. Well, I'm no doc, and as you know, um, um, Dr. Pat is, isn't with us uh, anymore, but I presume it is uh, possible to get it from some unknown reason. Uh, reason, but we'll we'll double check with uh, Pat Harold when we can for you where that's concerned. It's time now for the Gardaí to keep us up to speed on what's been happening in crime around the county, and I'm glad to be joined by Sergeant in charge of Kerry Garda Station, Carol O'Leary. Good morning to you, Carol. Good morning, Pat. Uh, good to talk to you this morning. Can we begin in the Nina area because a car is being broken into uh, again, uh, Carol?
10: There was, there was an incident there back on the 8th of September where Gardaí from the crime unit up there the seed report of cars being broken into in an estate. They later saw two men near enough to it in another estate. They were arrested. One of them was charged with theft from the cars and brought to court the next morning where he's been remanded in custody. So, again, a great detection by colleagues up in Nina.
1: Theft from shops. I know that uh, Pat referred to this in the news bulletin as well. Can you tell us what's behind that, Carmel? Yeah.
10: This one, again from Nina, recently there, there were five tests from various shops reported to Gardaí up there and one woman was arrested, charged in relation to some of the arrests and there was another party related to the other one. Again, we're very thankful to shop owners and business owners for CCTV, which definitely is a massive aid to us in solving these crimes. So again, great detections from the crew with Nina.
1: And your road traffic colleagues were out and about as well. What happened on the 12th of September?
10: On the 12th, again, there's been a lot of talk about slowdown day, but unfortunately, on that occasion, a man was arrested after being caught speeding. He was doing over 120 kilometres an hour in a 60-kilometre zone outside a school. Very serious, and yeah, it's something that unfortunately, it still happens, and we're still actively, but in that case, obviously, with that kind of a a speed, it's far more than speeding. It's actually was charged there with dangerous driving, which... I don't yeah. think anybody argued.
1: And you, you, your chief superintendent uh, this morning coming out and you know urging people to slow down, Carol, and I'm certain you would go along with that. I mean, we have to slow down, haven't we?
10: Absolutely. As a colleague used to say before, the speed limit is not a target that yeah. we should aim to keep and maintain. People have to drive to the conditions. And yesterday and today, you know, even as the winter comes in, you have to be conscious of where you are and what you're driving and all things around you, especially the weather.
1: For sure. And yeah. Uh, bikes are still being stolen?
10: They were. The, it's an ongoing issue, unfortunately, in Neen at the moment. And on the 17th of September, there are bikes were stolen from McDonough Park in Nina. Unfortunately, it wasn't locked. It hasn't been recovered. We'd urge anyone that may have seen anybody messing with the bike. Again, it takes a bit of time to, to get onto it and see yeah. it if you're not familiar with it. So if you see anything or if you're aware of anything, and again, if you have a bike, please remember to lock it at all times, even if you're just running into a shop for a few minutes. It, that's all it
1: needs to, to
10: just course, take the
1: time yeah. to lock it. Uh, every time we speak, Carl, we talk about scams and deception and the like, and this week is no different, I suppose.
10: There is. Even this morning, I got another minister, a gentleman who had, similar to this one from Nina, they'd received a text message appearing to be on post. A lot of times they do with that, oh, you have a delivery yeah. due for yeah. you, you just have to pay custom charges. It was, appeared to be from on post in this case. He entered his bank details followed up then by a phone call Unfortunately, the gentleman thought it was from his bank but it was in fact a fraudster who took several thousand euro from his account. Wow. Again, it is being investigated and hopefully we'll be hopeful of a detection in that. All right,
1: but, but we it, can't, we yeah, can't be careful good.
10: enough, yeah. yeah. No, 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 absolutely. And they're getting more and more convincing and they'll use all possibilities, even things like Now is one that unfortunately seems to be targeted and people are getting messages and phone calls or transaction requests from various accounts in various organisations. If you receive anything like that, just please take the time, don't respond and don't give out your details at all.
1: To so your own area then, Carol, it looks like you have a busy weekend ahead, haven't you?
10: We do, we've a busy Sunday morning. The Care, Train and Me crew and space association with the, the well-known two Johnnies mm. are hosting the South Chippery Women's Mini Marathon at 11 o'clock starting from just outside the garden station here. Proceeds will go to Women's Domestic Violence Support Groups and the Little Blue Heroes, a charity that's very close Mm. to the hearts of all guards. So we just ask people to be mindful and careful because there will be a lot of walkers and runners around the town. There's an eight-kilometre route, so just take your time. If you are in or around care, just be careful of those. And there's also a Care Castle Honda Run Mm. at the same day. So slightly different (laughs) speed going,
1: but
8: they'll be going around.
1: Yeah, busy, busy times Indeed. Halloween, I see from the shops it's almost uh, upon us, but the, the usual warnings, I guess, Carol?
10: It is. I was in town here myself there on Monday night and already the fireworks are going off. Are they? It's
4: some,
10: wow. Yeah. Uh, I, and it's, it's terrifying. Certainly, I made me jump mm. when I heard one of going off. And it's something that people will get. They are lovely, they are beautiful, but most importantly, they are illegal. And the danger, apart from the criminal point of it, is the danger to people and especially to young children who are using them, who might use them. There are accidents, serious and minor of all ages, every year. We'd also ask people to be mindful of the fact that for people to hear them and for pets and animals, especially horses, there's a lot of horses in the greater Tipperary area, just to, to be aware of them, so that they are illegal, they're not safe to be using and unfortunately we started already now with a month to go till Halloween, we're hearing them.
1: You have some more warnings for us uh, where students are concerned, because, of course, it's college time, and particularly, I suppose, Carol, where accommodation is concerned.
10: All oh, huge demand for accommodation, and that's been well documented in the media and the press and radio and TV and everything. But in this, round three of the CAO offers are out this week. Yeah. And we'd again advise people to be careful if they are looking for accommodation, either in the county at one of the campuses or out in any of the other major cities. Always remember, if you can, meet the prospective landlord at the accommodation. Ask for identification. And if people are genuine, they won't mind mm. handing mm. over. They'd like the checks to be done. Pay the deposit to the landlord and not the person who's living there who says they're leaving. Mm-hmm. If you can at all use checks or bank drafts to keep copies so that again they can be tracked more easily than cold hard cash, which has just gone up and paid. And lastly, to make sure that the keys fit, open the door lock and sign the rental contract before you pay a deposit. There are a lot of different ways and a lot of different scams. And you hear of houses and apartments being left out to several, several parties all at the same time. So it's just, if you are getting accommodation, and again, people can be quite panicked if they get something and if it seems too good to be true, Take the time, do the checks, and if people are genuine, they won't mind at all in doing those checks with them. But just be cautious.
1: Yeah, and on this program last year, we heard a couple of cases where people were, were taken in and uh, lost a considerable sums of money. Uh, where that's concerned as well, if we can move to Thurles, then uh, Carol and uh, a patrol was out and about. What what happened there?
10: They were. There was Guardian Thurless saw a car going the wrong way up sleeve Road there in Thurless, driving the wrong way across Liberty Square against the flow of traffic. Yeah. Then it turned left, continued going against the run of the traffic, drove down the wrong way down a one-way street. The car was stopped by colleagues, where it was found that the driver was not only driving unaccompanied on a provisional licence, but there was nothing at all on the windscreen, no details of any tax insurance, and the front tyres were completely bald. the vehicle was seized and a file is being prepared in relation to that. Again, could be quite serious consequences for someone, but hopefully, thankfully not on this occasion due to the the prompt work of colleagues in Thurles.
1: Two men uh, suspected of smoking cannabis, I think.
10: They were were stopped and searched and they were found in possession of cannabis. And for something like that, again, great detections. It is unfortunately quite common but they're more than likely going to be facing a court today pending the analysis of the cannabis just to confirm it. But again, good detections from the guards up in
1: Thurlis. And uh, drink and drug checkpoints as well, and again, uh, successful.
10: The, yeah, the checkpoints are out there, and they do work, they definitely yeah. work. On um, This occasion in Thurlis, a car was stopped, he was arrested, given a breath sample at the guarded station, and it was found to be four times over the legal limit. So, not even a case where he could argue really that you know he'd had a point, like four times over the legal limit. Wow. That's significant and serious and unfortunately still happening.
1: It is very unfortunate I- indeed. Tell me about the vehicle who was uh, stopped and, and what the mobility app showed up,
10: Carol. The m- mobility app is a great piece of technology that we've detected, yeah. that we've received in recent years where guards can check at the side of the road and on this occasion, the vehicle was stopped and the guard at the time from their checks were able to discover that the driver was disqualified. He admitted to Guardi at the time, as was yet to put his hands up, to say that he had no insurance. Again, was arrested and charged to uh, court for it, The vehicle the world was also seized, and serious consequences there for him facing in court for driving without insurance, which unfortunately does happen at the time.
1: Indeed. Um, t- tell me, about, sometimes I'm aghast at what you must come across all the time, but what, tell me about the guy in the coffee shops and the. <laughs>
10: Yes, a strange one, and again, as I said, nothing, nothing can shock us at this stage, but on this occasion, a man went into two coffee shops, took tip jars, which again are valuable for the staff doing great work inside there. There was over €200 euro in them. He was located by Gardie, arrested, and he was also found to
1: be in possession of cannabis.
10: So very much an opportunity that he couldn't pass up, but he'll be facing consequences up there in court in relation uh,
1: to them. Let us move to the Tonmel area then, Carol, if we can. And again, a mobile patrol in the town.
10: Yeah, on Monday evening just, it was Gardy out when they saw a person behaving suspiciously. He was searched under the Misuse of Drugs Act, found in possession of a large number of illegal drugs in tablet form. The inquiries are continuing. A file is going to be prepared. They'll be analysed, but again, more than likely heading to court and dealing with it. And a great detection from colleagues over the way in Clonmel
1: Right, there was another uh, car stopped, I think, uh, on on the same night possibly, yeah.
10: There is, and it's just just to show people will take a chance. There was a party there driving a car which was stopped and checked and the tax had expired over 140 days ago. So, what's that? Almost over half a year, six Mm. months or so. Mm. Driver was tested again for drug driving, failed, again taken to Clonmel Garda Station where a sample was taken for analysis and again another occasion where cannabis was taken. So, it it really is not worth taking the chance of driving a car that isn't properly on the road and legally on the road.
1: Yes, and of course, you're all testing for drugs as well as alcohol yes. at, the, at this point at the roadside. Just finally, uh, the burglary, Carol.
10: Burglary, Gardy there recently responded to a report of a burglary at a fast food restaurant. And on the same day, a male who matched the description was identified by different gardy. He was arrested and found in possession of the property which had been taken. He also was charged and brought to court.
1: All right. Carol, we appreciate your time today as always. Thank you so much.
10: Uh, Thank you. Just before I I go, if I can mention there was a few incidents there recently and in the last 24 hours in Clonmel with cars, with imported cars, where they were broken into. And we just urge people to, if you have a car which doesn't have an immobiliser on it, and you'll know yourself from your own car if it has an alarm or an immobiliser. If it doesn't have an immobiliser, unfortunately, they are being targeted by criminals at the moment, so we'd urge people to get a steering lock or whatever deterrence they can to try and prevent those crimes from continuing to happen. And again, not having anything on display in the car, but particularly at the moment, import cars without immobilisers seem to be targeted at the moment.
1: All right, Carol, thanks very much for your time. Thank you and good morning to you. That is the Sergeant in Charge of Care Guard Station, Carol O'Leary. Uh, having a look at crime around the county for us this morning. 1800 938
0: 007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage.ie.
1: It's day two of the National Ploughing Championships in Rathaniske in County Leash. One of our regular listeners, Anthony Pickford, is there and we're going there right now. Good morning to you, Anthony. Hi, how are you? I'm very well indeed. I think it's your first time at the Championships, is it? Yeah,
8: it's my first time going and um, I've always wanted to go and I've never gotten the chance to go. So it's like a dream, So I didn't get any sleep at all.
1: Fantastic. And uh, what time did you arrive there this morning?
8: i um, just outside about 11 o'clock this morning there. So um, we're just waiting now to go in. So, um, But I'm really looking forward to seeing the two Johnnies.
1: Very good. Are they appearing there today? They are.
8: They're doing a radio show today and they're appearing there as well. And um, there a no TV show or something. So I actually sent in me doing the crazy part to go on it as my talent.
1: Ah, very so. good. So you're looking forward to that as well as everything else. What about the weather though, Anthony? What's it like there?
8: The weather is beautiful and the sun is shining and it's gorgeous and couldn't be more happier. And I was just saying, like, today that even if it was raining, you know, I still would have gone. Like, nothing's going to stop us now as the bank was the starship.
1: Oh, that's great. And what stopped you from going in the past? I mean, why did you leave it till now? I suppose um, work so in some senses if it was all kind of the school year
8: I would have been working like in, you know, yeah. different places. So it was very hard to get off, but now I'm in between different bits and pieces in my life and um, I just had spare time and us just cool because we might get the time again.
1: Very good. Now, I presume you'll go to, as you say, you want to meet up with the the lads, the two Johnnies, the very same, but will you go to the actual ploughing itself?
8: I will, mean, yeah. I'm open to everything now, because like, I believe that um, the nationwide are there as well, Blonde is in, and Keston. So, if I didn't forget to see them, when well, I got in the telly for the Limacomb coming, I'm yeah. sure <laughs> I'd happily be waving
1: again. Very good indeed. So, you're looking forward to all those uh, aspects of it. Uh, you're in a queue, I think, as we speak. Is everybody fairly good humoured there, Anthony? Yeah, there's a lot of crack there and I noticed as well that there's a lot of um students from schools and I actually
8: think it's a great idea starting from a young age in secondary schools. Even children like that may not be interested in going, but it's giving them the opportunity to see the plowing and, and to see the
1: different sense and just suppose they'll be selling their children when they get older. Of course, yeah. Tell me, did you mm. have to buy a new pair of wellies?
8: Oh my dad's looked after me. He Did gave he? me a big jacket <laughs> and willies and all and I couldn't be more grateful and my friend Michael is there as well with me. We we're having a great time and he was very good. He he's my chauffeur. Very so good. we parked we at Port Leash um, Dunn's so we'll get the shuttle bus out then and then into where we are.
1: Oh, excellent. And was was that very efficient, the shuttle bus from Portlaoise?
8: It, it was very good. Now, the queues, now I had to say, were very, um, you know, there was a lot, but it was moving smoothly. And, yeah. you know, look, when the crack is in the queues, you don't mind, and something I'll treasure, you know, and I'll always remember. And I think everyone that's come are saying, you're always on the radio. I don't know, I just love radio as well. That's another aspect. Well, of my look, we're, today. we're
1: we're always delighted to have you on the radio. Say hello to uh, uh, the two Johnnies for us, won't you?
8: I will, of course. And um, they were brilliant the other night. And you know, like if anyone's listening today and care where they're from, tell them that Anthony for Big Ben. Tells them that he's coming to get them. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Look after yourself, Anthony. Good meal, my good. Bye bye, you know. Bye bye. That's uh, Anthony Pickford there and Anthony is queuing as we speak to get into the uh, National Ploughing Championships for the very, very first time and he has his dad's wellies and stuff so he's... He's uh, well organised. three eight double o seven. Martin was on and he says, Hi Fran, uh, President Higgins is correct in advising people to change their diet. In fact, in David Attenborough's last book, he says that we have to change what we eat and bring back the wild. Our obsession with beef and dairy is not healthy and has only increased the Western world, in the Western world I suppose that should read, uh, because of wealth. He also said that we need to eat more veg, Uh, Farming in Ireland is based on livestock that ate vaccinated against many diseases. Overstocking creates a high risk of more disease. In fact, it could end our intensive farming overnight with no plan B. Martin goes on to say with no veg uh, that are essential for a healthy diet and are not expensive. Uh, Eating less meat is healthier and we can easily live without dairy. In fact, most of the world does, including myself. Cambridge University found dairy strongly linked to prostate cancer and linked to many other uh, diseases. The National Dairy Council is big business, pushing dairy all over the world, but saving the planet is more essential than drinking three glasses of milk a day and destroying our hopes of survival. And uh, that's in from Martin, and that's Martin's Opinions. So there you go. Uh, Anthony assures us he's going to take uh, pictures for us as well as some video and send it back to us too. So we're looking forward to that. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back with more in just a moment.
0: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tip today at tipFm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie.
1: And you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Pat is with me. Good morning to you, Pat. Good morning, friend, and to your listeners. Good to talk to you. You were listening to, well, you came across those comments by Michael D. Higgins uh, where climate change was concerned and his speech at the Ploughing. What what did you make of it, Pat?
11: I was impressed with the person from um, speaking on RT there in relation to um, the type of system we have Far rearing our cattle there, and this is where I'm coming out of it. It might sound very confusing to people that I'm supposed to be into climate change, and yet I'm I have a different view in relation to um, our farming uh, and the way it's been approached. And I think it's disgraceful for a president of this country and so much effort put into the farming community and and the prime product that we have of actually going out and and publicly trying to undermine it.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he wouldn't see it as that, Pat. I mean, no, he, he didn't say that people should stop eating meat. I mean, I think what he meant was that we need to look at our diet in general and maybe eat less meat. And and most medical people would go along with that.
11: Now it was said even on the Tonight programme last night there by one of the people people on it there, that they eat a bit of meat, they have a a, a, um, a diet there, you know it. Yeah. Uh, um, what a balanced diet is mm. the way they put it And like red meat is part of that balanced diet. The body needs red meat. And as I said, I know anything in excess is dangerous and it should be noted. But as I said, uh, we have a prime product that we have put so much effort into uh, perfecting and it's worldwide renowned. And I think it's disgraceful that anybody could come out and try and condone it. But as I said to you before, there is an underlying thing in all this, and the peace industry is an example of that.
1: And what, what do and you I, see as underlying this, then?
11: Underlying is, and I said this to an MEP, and I had no problem in saying it to it. Um, if it, when we decided to close down our box and uh, go in for this green issue with our climate and we so-called save the world when everyone else is destroying it, Um what should have happened at MEP level is before we decided to close down one single bog, we should have said, is this right across Europe? Is everyone in this together? And if the answer was no, they shouldn't, we shouldn't have went down that road. And I think they're doing the same with beef. And I honestly, I, the evidence is there. And that they are basically saying, "Well, the Irish have a prime product here uh, we'll give them the climate change thing, and we'll tell them this is all about saving the world and Lafayette can tip away and uh, produce as much peat and uh, bring in as much peat to the island of Ireland, and uh Germany can still manufacture them uh substandard brigades, and the Irish, they're going to save the world and we're actually going to use this climate change to destroy and bring this country, as I said before, to a third world country. And, and I believe that yes. there's enough evidence there to say that that's what's happening.
1: And are you concerned then that the possibility is that we'll end up eating meat because those of us who like to eat meat will continue to do so, but we'll end up eating meat that might be produced in places like South America for example, where there's restrictions. there's that's no restriction restrictions, essentially, or little restriction, anyway.
11: There isn't, and like, we know the product that's here, we know what's, uh, the effort that's put into it, we know it's a prime product, we know and the biggest thing, and it's not been said here, is the biodiversity in, in farming, and the farming model we have in this country and this is where I come out of this with this climate thing. We have a perfect uh, biodiversity system for uh, rearing our cattle here, Towards we have other countries, as you said, that'll uh, bring in beef uh, to this country and flood this country and they have systems where the cattle probably never see the light of day so like we are and this has not been highlighted and not been represented enough with our farm and representatives of the type of system we have here so like i, I um have looked at this and um I am all for uh, climate, and we we do need hmm. to address it, but not at the uh, yeah. And, and it's important to point glass. that
1: out, Pat. You're not a climate change denier here. You're you're. Why oh, not? I you're, I understand yeah, that the, yeah. the world and something has to be done. So you're, you're talking about the, the practicalities
11: cost. of. I'm talking food about Ireland yeah. being the slaughter block and show the rest of the world can carry on and destroy the, the planet and do what the hell they like. But the guys in Ireland are going to do their best and they're going to bring their economy uh, to a standstill and they're going to destroy an, an industry that they have built up over the years, a, a product that any country would be proud of at the cost of all this and we, could, the rest of the world can do what they like. This is where I have a problem and can with I, this. Can I just
1: if, get your opinion though on Red meat, for example, where our health is concerned. I mean, you know how. how I'm do you not feel an that?
11: expert on that area. All I, all I can say is I do enjoy red meat, yeah, and well too, uh, I, yeah. the reason I do enjoy it is I know uh, the prime product that I'm eating. And I'm very conscious and I'm very fussy with mm-hmm. food, uh, but I would comfortably eat um, red meat um, because I know... And would you eat it, it every
1: day, Pat?
11: No, 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 no. As okay. I said, it's all about a balanced diet. Yeah. You, yeah. Don't, um, you don't abuse your well, body. In fairness, by...
1: is that not what the President was saying? That, uh, you know...
11: Maybe it is, and maybe it was misinterpreted. I don't know. And to give him uh, benefit, I, do, I, I think he's not... He is a very intelligent man, yeah. and I suppose he knows as what I have just said. He knows the effort uh, that was put in in Ferman. And I don't think deliberately he would set out mm. to destroy an industry uh, that we have built up over the years. And, and believe it or not, like, and this is not said either, the taxpayers in this country have funded uh, this business to build it up to what it's like. So, like, it's a kick in the teeth to the taxpayers uh, that funded this business and uh, mm. done everything in its power to ensure that this product was, um, was yes,
4: of the but, standard. But do,
1: you, do you accept that, that a lot of this is out of our hands? I mean, uh, look at what's happening where the nitrates uh, directives are concerned. I mean, it's coming direct from Europe, and all we're hearing from the Minister is, oh, the Commissioner is not for for, for turning on this. So a lot of this, uh, these decisions are out of our hands.
11: What we have in this country, as I said, run in this country is a lot of yes people. Uh, yes, I'll bow to that. I'll go back and I'll tell him that. I know myself it's wrong, and I know well, I shouldn't be telling him, but sure, I'll go back and I'll tell him. That's what we have running this country. Like, at, at MEP level, and people need to think of this long and hard at the next European elections, what way are they representing this country and do they know what they're really talking about? but I believe it's just uh, basically a lavish lifestyle over in Brussels and bugger the people of Ireland now that's what's coming up because no, they, they're not no,
1: they would disagree completely I, with I, you on that as you can imagine there's,
11: from what I see, and I've said it even before, even with some MEPs, there is not a word out of them on a single day about mm-hmm. anything. And I, I honestly don't
1: know what. And Pat, how a much of today. that is our own fault? Because I notice, if we discuss anything involving the EU or the Parliament or Brussels or whatever, there's a turn-off from this. I, I think we you know, I, I think it goes over our heads to some degree.
11: It goes over our heads because as I said there earlier, when taxpayers' money is used to fund an industry like this, and people have no problem in doing that. They'll go out, they'll pay their taxes, and they'll say well, at the end of the day, uh, this industry is one of our prime products. We need to support it. And then you see this coming out and it all being undermined, and you're kind of saying, well, where did your taxes go and was all this, uh, like RT, a lavish um, expenditure, and no return for taxpayers and the industry, looking at the industry being destroyed and our country being destroyed and we're not educated enough to know what's really going on. But like I am into climate change and I, I believe we do need but I believe we should be all in this together and that's the message I get across there this morning is we're all, all right. in this together. Can it's I ask the, you Pat
1: on. before I let you go because the tonish of the Taoiseach and uh, Eamon Ryan, the green Green leader is in New York as we speak for, for the UN uh, but uh, Michael D yesterday uh, also hit out very strongly and he accused the UN uh, of losing credibility um, as somebody who, who's looking at politics and global politics and like, what, what do you make of that statement?
11: I don't know. Like, as I said, um, they're coming across even very badly. And even when Leo went up the north there lately and the, you know, the lacerating he got, it's coming across that I, I wonder what kind of, um, um, you know, ideas they have or what's going to work or what is the purpose of all this uh you know, going off to certain places and uh, being the great buy in the class and coming in with a suitcase of money and the country on its knees and the housing crisis we have and they're going up the north with a suitcase of money and they're basically telling them in the north if you think you're going to buy us off with this suitcase of money, you have another talk coming. You know, because it, it didn't go down
1: well, well and well, I know. Well, Leo discovered his inner Republicanism there recently when he spoke about United Ireland in his in his lifetime. So that that stirred. Yeah, well, I don't
11: agree with the United Ireland, I and I said this to before. Yeah. Leo is coming up with uh, things that um, people don't agree with, but this is his uh, fairy tale uh, thing. There's an awful lot of problems uh, that need to be sorted out, and Michael Fennucan even said there last night on yes. the Tonight programme the way they're trying to cover up all the stuff that went on mm-hmm. in the north It was a very powerful,
1: very powerful piece last night, in fact, wasn't it? It
11: was, yeah. and like, um, this is part and parcel. <clears throat> we don't have a united Ireland if we're covering up things, and we're not addressing things, and this is the point uh, that Michael was saying, that uh, we have a lot of this going on in our country, and people do need to have a say, and uh, it's it's just not happening. Like, oh. Leo's going along with these little fairy tales, and like I spoke highly of him before, but I don't know, um, things are changing changing and a lot changing uh, for the the good of the people of Ireland.
1: All right, Pat, good to talk to you and thanks very much indeed for that. Uh, That's uh, Pat speaking to us this morning. It's Time to talk gardening. Glad to be joined, as usual, by Alton Nesbitt. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today. Fair bit of rain over the last uh, couple of uh, days. Um, What's the story? I mean, a lot of growth, I suppose, still.
12: Um there's still still growth and it's still not cold or anything like that and, and uh things are still uh coming into great colour uh, at this time of the year. And and it's lovely. I love this time of the year coming into the autumn. Yeah. And because I mean there's so much colour, uh, especially in the foliage of plants and things like that. Um uh, and and even in um the the colour stems and things. So there's some some lovely plants that I think are very good at this time of the year to have uh, to uh, maximise colour in in your garden, things like um, uh, there's a thing called Euonymus alatus. Now, and this is lovely, um, a brilliant autumn colour uh, comes on it, uh, almost bright red to orange uh, foliage on it, and it's a particularly easy um, uh, plant to grow. Um, it, now, it's a small uh, spindle tree, it's called, or or, or um, sometimes uh, uh, people call it um, uh, a, um, a winged. Um, Uh, Schumach or something like that. So it's it's quite a nice thing. Uh, Now, the thing about it is, it'll grow up to about uh, 12, 12 foot high and that round. So quite a large shrub. But brilliant, brilliant red uh, to uh, orange orange foliage on it. And that's very very good in the, let's say, the back of the garden, but it'll draw the eye down to it. So you'll have this fantastic autumn colour um, uh, at this time of the year. Other plants then that are very good with that as well is the Catinus criggeria. Now, and Cotinus is the smoke bush. And this is lovely almost like a feathery type flower that comes out in it, almost like as if there is smoke coming out out of this um uh, bush and it has a um, lovely purple plum foliage uh Curtinus um, royal purple is particularly good um, and again at this time of the year once the foliage starts kind of dying back a little bit it has a brilliant autumn colour from it as well. Another one that has very good shape to it as well is a thing called Viburnum placatum mariesii. now I love this this plant because um, it has a lovely shape to it, almost like a, a wedding cake tree but in terms of the the corn is controversial variegata has that lovely layered effect on it and um, the same with the, the uh, Viburnum langarth meresii has this almost um, wedding cake uh, flower that comes out of it, lovely lace cap white flower. But then again, brilliant blood red um, uh, uh, foliage at at this time of the year. Other things then, that that you could have almost as a hedge, if you wanted to, is the barbers, barberscombe berry, and barbers is is quite a thorny plant. It's very good um, if you want to, um, uh, let's say, have it as a boundary hedge. Uh, nothing will go through it because of the thorns. It's, it's quite a quite prickly plant, um, and uh, again, it's quite a hardy thing to grow. Uh, Very easy, easy plant to grow. Uh, But in the the autumn time, again, lovely bright oranges and reds and yellows, uh, foliage from it as well. So I mean, really it's fantastic to have good autumn color at this time of year. There's lovely climbers as well. I love this um, one called partner sisters um, VGI, or Tricuspidata, or even the Quincifolia. These are the, the red ivies, people call them, um, or, or Boston ivy, or Virginia creeper. These are uh, very easy uh, climbing plants to grow in, in your garden. Now, you, I often have, I have them growing up to a hedge, actually, and, and they're quite good. So once if you have an evergreen hedge, this' is like the Leyland hedge or something like that, yeah. and then if you have this lovely bright foliage cascading, um, down from it oh, that's um, a in, in the ocean yeah, it that's a lovely and, idea. it is, and and yeah. and it makes it kind of uh, almost romantically unkept. It's with this kind of yes, a, like, wild yeah. uh, growth in it, and then this brilliant red foliage out of it in the autumn time. And again, it's a great climber because I mean you can push it at the base of the wall or even um, on on the base of a trellis, and it will find its own way up. It will actually have these um, aerial roots, they're called, Mm. that will will grab onto the wall and and climb up itself. There's no need for either trellising or wire mesh or anything like that to support it. It will just climb up itself, and it's quite a good vigorous plant as well. Um, Other plants then I think that are great at this time of year are the buried plants, things that have lovely berries on them things like the Cotoneaster hybridus pendulus. This is a lovely weeping evergreen uh, Cotoneaster. Uh, It's a lovely one that um, uh, gets through about nearly 12 foot high, but lovely mound of red berries at this time of the year. Another lovely one as well, a good climber, or you could have it as a hedge either if you wanted as well, is the Paracanthus. And lots of people grow Paracanthus now, which is great to see because the birds love it, but you'll have lovely red, yellow and orange berries from that as well and it's lovely evergreen so even in the, in the winter time you'll have lovely evergreen foliage on it and then in the uh, spring summer you'll have massive white flowers from it and then in the autumn time you'll have the red berries so there's always great colour um, from the pyracanthas uh, right through the whole year really that they're particularly good but so there's a very good um, yes. thing called hippophane wealth, which the hippophane is lovely, um, uh, hippophane ramenoides, which is a lovely um, sea buckthorn, and that has lovely silver foliage from it. So, I mean, even if you had a few different um, shrubs in the garden with different foliage and different textures or, or even, even ones that have good thorns on them or, or others that have berries or nice flowers, it's nice to have a mixture of those at this time of the year to give good colour.
1: Yeah, um, they really are fantastic. I, lo- I love but the idea of breaking up. Uh, th- sometimes those hedges, you know, whether it's Leandy or wh- wh- whatever, they look a bit boring if they're just yeah. sort of the same colour. But I love that idea you had about, you know, using the the, the creeper to to break up the colour and to add. Colour, it, it, yeah. it, it is, and um,
12: really, there's lots of things that you can put in through through a hedge that will give it great colour. At the moment, um, I, I have a, lo- there's a lovely um, thing called humulus uh, lupinus. it's called it's uh, the um, uh, uh, hop tree, or the mm. hop plant. Yes. And the hops are quite good. There's a lovely uh, golden hop, which has the lovely golden leaf on it. Um, and the hops are always used for making beer, of course. They're, 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 they have those um, flowers that, that fade, mm. and you can use, use them for hop making or, or for making beer. Or there's the other thing, it's a... Uh, uh, mile-a-minute um, polygonum uh, it's a polygon it grows quite vigorously. Yeah. And that has lovely white flowers at this time of the year. So, I mean, things that will, will break up, as you say, a, a boring hedge, something like that, if you had leylands or something like that, it's nice to have other things cascading out from it that will give you good autumn colour um, through the hedge. Other trees then, I, I, this time of the year, you have the fantastic colours from the autumn uh, of the trees. A thing called liquid amber, which is particularly good. That's a lovely br- bright red foliage from it as well. Quite an easy tree to grow. It doesn't grow too large either. Good for a smaller garden. Hmm. Um, Will go to to a, uh, 15 foot high, but quite narrow. It's great as a, let's say for an entrance of a gateway or something else. You have that almost making an entrance um, with the liquid ambers. They're quite good. Others, other things were the cistus or Cystrophilium, or, or, uh, feist, which is the um, Judas tree, yeah, which has a lovely brilliant autumn colour from it as well. Or what a lot, a lot of people have is the rusta and the rose to is a lovely shape, lovely, almost like a mushroom shape um, from them, from, from the foliage. And uh, quite a long panicle uh, of leaves from that, But again, brilliant autumn colour from them. Very there's good. loads of plants, really, to, to use for that.
1: Um, lots of questions in, as usual. To know, one of our listeners saying, I tried growing holly trees from berries, but it never worked. I'm wondering what I can do to fix this.
12: Yeah, The majority of holly trees are either male or mm. female. Now there is there is particular varieties. There's uh, one called JC Van Tal, which has um, both male and female on it. But really, with hollies. Um, if you have, um, it's, it's always good to, to have a couple of them, really, so you get good cross-pollination, um, and therefore you get plenty of berries from them. Now, this year has been particularly good for a lot of fruit, really, and even you often see the, the white thorn and, and, and the back thorn with a lot of fruit on them now at the moment, and even the hollies are starting to produce plenty of, uh, of berries on them. But if you have a variety called um, uh, JC Van Tull, uh, that's quite a good one for, for if you have just a small garden and that you want plenty of berries on it. That's a good variety, variety to go for. Or even um, Golden King or Silver Queen. If you get the two of those, those together, they'll um, cross-pollinate quite well. And the Golden King is the one that will have plenty of berries, red berries on them. Um, and uh, it's quite an easy one to grow. They're quite slow-growing, um, the hollies. They take a number of years to, to get to a good size. But uh, again, if you're patient enough, they, they will produce plenty of um, berries for you if you have Golden King or and Silver Queen together.
1: And I'm wondering about cutting back roses at this point. You spoke to us about this last week, in fact.
12: Yeah, with um, with uh, the, the soft growth and that that we've had, a lot of the roses are still coming into flower. Yeah. Um, um, there's been almost like a second flush of flowers from them, which is great, but uh, again... Once the flowers have faded, on the rose, really keep deadheading them as much as possible. And that will just prolong the flowering um, uh, going into the autumn uh, time. Now, with um, a lot of the um, hybrid tea roses, I would cut them back a little bit harder, nearly about halfway just encourage more growth from the base of them, um, and um, uh, that will just pr- promote a better shape. Because A lot of the, the hybrid trees particularly, or even the abundance for that matter, um, if the two do get a little bit top-heavy, they tend to rock in the wind, uh, especially during the storm mm. or anything like that, um, if they get a little bit top-heavy. So it's very important to prune back um, and back a little bit ha- halfway, just encourage more rounder and stronger growth um, from the base of the rose. And then, therefore, you'll have plenty of flowers uh, for next summer as well, by doing that, mm. it's a good idea to feed the roses at this time of the year as well. Something like the high high potash feed, stuff like that potash, or even the top rose fertilizer, just fistful, just at the basement, just to promote good, healthy growth on them.
1: Yeah, speaking of roses and playing into what you're saying there, listen, I'm wondering about English roses. I cut them back last spring, but I don't think I cut them back enough. They're all very woody uh, all summer. They're about four uh, feet high, and I'm wondering how should i cut them back after flowering
4: yeah a
12: lot of the english roses or shrub roses um it's very important to allow them to have nearly 3 years growth on them um, because they they they're, they're form of kind of almost like a, a, a quite a large bush uh, um shape to them um and, and they flower quite well then so really every thir- third year you should prune them back back uh, back just about halfway, just encourage good good stems on them um really uh, see the the english the shrub roses are a little, you treat them a little bit differently than the hybrids or the floribundas. So really what you t- tend to do is nearly every third year you cut them back just about halfway, just a good courage, good growth on them. And again, give them high feed of the, the, the sulphate of potash or, or the top fertiliser just at the very base of the roses that will just encourage good flowers from them. Now there's lovely um roses that will have lovely rose hips on them at this time of the year mm-hmm. uh, the lovely large shrub roses things like the rosa rugosa roses and you often see them growing by the coastline they're quite good for um uh, the sea breeze and, and and even the salt air uh, that they, they grow quite quite quickly for you but they again with the with the uh, rugosa roses they'll have these lovely fruits on them um uh, the the rose hips and they're quite good, they're f- quite large and you get them in orange or, or red in colour as well and they're fantastic to feed for the birds as well for, for, for later on and they're very hardy rose and a lovely scent off them, what they're sort of like about the rugosa roses, The um, lovely perfume that comes from them right through the whole summer
1: Sounds lovely Somebody's wondering about uh, sowing ornamental grass from seeds and uh, wondering is now the right time to do so
12: uh, You can And um, even if you have um, a lot of the grasses are in flower uh now at the moment um, and, and any of the steeper uh, or, or even um uh, the steeper grasses or uh the carexes they are be coming into flower now so you can actually harvest the seed from the plants themselves and they grow quite easily there's a lovely one called um, steep, uh, um ponytail grass and that's particularly nice at this time of the year. It comes with this lovely feathery flower comes from it and then you have that almost straw-like um, uh, shape to it. But there's a lovely one called uh, Steepa Gargantica which is the tall arching um, uh, plumes mm. that come from that and uh, now that grows up to about nearly 7 to 8 foot high with lovely arching um, plumes and very delicate, almost like the, uh, oat, mm. oat uh, seed heads uh, from it and they're particularly nice to grow. Now it, they, you sow them now the germinates and then then the springtime uh put them, them on um, and it should be almost like into the autumn time, but that will that start producing um, the plumes then. lovely, lovely thing to start sowing now as well would be the the, the, the pampas grasses. I like the pampas grasses, it's the old-fashioned old type of grass that that's a lot of people used to grow. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the pampas grasses, you can get them lovely pink plumes or even the white or lovely arching, arching plumes as well. And they're quite an easy, easy plant to grow. Even if you have grasses, you can lift and divide them. You know, from the clumps, uh, I kind of lift and divide uh, any any clumps that you may have, and to they, transplant quite well that way as well. Always plant them a little bit proud uh, up, up higher, so that they don't get any dampness or, or or rot at the base of the plant, um, and then they'll transplant quite well. Always, or even even add a little bit of sand at the base of the plants that uh, encourage them to grow a lot better for you.
1: Well, the listener says, "Why are my Bramley apples rotting on the tree, Alton?"
12: Now what happens with Bramley's is that they'll get an um, um, apple canker or, or core or what, um, and really um, really when the apples start to form, in, kind of in the middle of May onwards, is sprays them with something called copper mixture. This keeps the outer skin of the apple lovely and clean, so you don't get any any um, uh, black spot or even apple canker or apple scab on, on the outer skin of it. Um, so you don't get any problems later on in, 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 in at this time of the year. So It's very important in the middle of May. Spray them with the thing called copper mixture, and this keeps the apples lovely and clean, so you don't get any any scarring on them. So always in the middle of May, use the thing called copper mixture. Uh, spray uh, o- over the apples, and that that keeps the skin um, g- quite good and healthy. Again, feed your your apple trees and all your fruit trees with a, a sulphate of potash at this time of the year. So that promotes plenty of flowers in the springtime, and therefore loads of fruit then um, for, for um, the autumn.
1: All right. Somebody wondering about the best time to plant hydrangeas into a, a bigger pot.
12: Well, hydrangeas—you can transplant uh, really anything at any time of the year, as long as you water it well after transplanting. Uh, so, really, hydrangeas—it's very important to transplant them with a good root ball on them, um, and uh, wash them well after transplanting them. Always r- wash them with rainwater if at all possible. Especially if the the more bluer the color is, uh, you want to keep it lovely and acidic the the, the soil, and always uh, transplant them into an ericaceous compost. So, and um, this is a compost that doesn't have have any lime. Minute, um, and always use a, 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 a slow-release fertilizer, something like the rhododendron azalea fertilizers that you can get, and um, mix that into the compost, and that gives it a really good start. Um, hydrangeas are, are they're, they're quite good, um, and they're great in containers because you can always move the container in January, February, March to just to keep the frost off them. The whole thing is try and hold on to the, as many stems as possible um, on it over the winter. Winter months, so that then um, in the springtime they'll flower quite well for you. Because a lot of the, the um, mophead hydrangeas tend to flower in second-year-old woods, so it's very important to hold on to as much of the stems as possible. Because a lot of the uh, hydrangeas, if you get frost on them, it tends to cut them back down to ground level, and then all you'll get is plenty of foliage on them um, for that summer without without any flowers. So try and hold on to as much of the stems as possible by pushing them into containers and moving them. And just over the winter months, um, into a very sheltered area where they won't get any frost damage on them. Now, you can use a frost fleece, drape that over the hydrangeas. That protects them from any, any um, uh, late frost that may happen in uh, March, April, um, so uh, that, that they don't get any damage on them. Uh, but once the risk of frost is gone, remove the fleece, uh, give them a good hydrangea feed, um and uh even even sequestered iron is quite good as well. And that will just have loads of flowers right through the, the, the whole summer then. Hydrangeas is probably one of the best shrubs really for a great colour right through the, 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 the summer months.
1: Um, Alyssa, I'm wondering about the best thing to do with dahlias uh, for the winter.
12: Yeah, with dahlias, um, really, if in the Midlands here, this gets so cold, it's a good idea to lift them and store them in your garage. Now, what I mean to do that is lift up the tubers and use the thing called... Um, a, a, uh, sulphur dust onto the tubers. This stops the tubers from getting any rot on, on the tubers. Dry them out as much as possible. Use the dusting of, of the sulphur dust over the tubers and then either dry compost or newspaper on top of the tubers. Store them in the garage um, and then once uh, in, let's say in, in March, uh, April, is to start uh, potting them on. and uh, Make sure that you have either uh, slug pellets or something like that at the top of the pot as well so that stops any slugs from, from devouring any shoots Starting just to sprout in the springtime, uh, dahlias are quite easy to grow. Really, if you don't want to lift them, uh, a good thing to do is to mulch over the dahlias now. Once the, once you get the first frost, the dahlias will start dying back. cut them down at ground level and mulch over with either bark mulch or farmyard manure over the top of the tubers. And that should protect them from any, any severe frost as well.
1: Just a, a final one and a brief one, if you would. I have plastic under stones in my shrubbery. Uh, I want to sew tulip bulbs under the plastic, and I'm wondering if this is possible. And if so, what is the correct procedure?
12: With tulip bulbs, um, it's better not to have them, almost have them in, in an area where it can be naturalised as much as possible. And that goes for a lot of the spring bulbs. So really, with tulips, not, not, um, you don't put them under plastic or anything like that. Really in, in a natural, natural area. When you are um, planting tulips, it's a good idea when you dig the hole, Use uh, twice the depth of the bulb um, and put at the base of the hole, is some sand or silica sand or even grit, um, because they don't like water um, uh, mm. resting at the base, base of the, the bulbs. Um, and again, plant them all in, cl- in clumps of five. So, five bulbs together into one hole, and that will give you a great display of color right through, through the whole spring. Um, there's lovely ones called Apple Dawn Tules, which are the taller ones, and they're, they're particularly good for a great show. Um, you can get them in red and, and pink and yellow and as well.
1: All right, Alton, thank you so much. and a good- Good morning to you and happy gardening. That's our horticulturalist, uh, Alton Nesbitt, speaking to us there. That's it from me. Um, Emma produced. Ali looks after our contest. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel on the lunchtime show, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye bye.